2: For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.
3: Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Moreno, New Zealand, good morning to you all. Uh, Wonderful Monday morning as we begin a new week uh, in commerce, in education and in sport. Uh, So we look forward to that. And we've got a good review panel uh, uh, looking at things over the weekend. We've got uh, Jeff McTanch, uh, who's going to look at uh, Super Rugby with us very shortly. Jay Carter, uh, who is uh, the national coach of uh, New Zealand golf. Uh, He's going to look at the Masters for us, uh, that about 930 Josh Gallup's going to come in, Uh, he's uh, a correspondent from Australia, he's been uh, in Western Australia with Fox Television, etc, but he was uh, at the Grand Prix at the weekend, so we'll talk with him, a panel with Brad Lewis and Hamish Bidwell, Hamish Bidwell on the uh, show for the first time, look forward to that, Uh, and then we've got uh, Lavina Good after 11 o'clock, Vossi's on holiday, and who better to substitute for Vossi than Lavina Good, we've got a stump smithy as well, busy, busy Monday morning.
5: Sport
0: is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon.
2: Well, post-match interviews are pretty much a dime a dozen I've listened to and conducted thousands. Uh, answers you get from rugby captains in particular are by and large very predictable, and that's understandable. They've either bashed people up from pillar to post for well over 80 minutes, or they've been bashed themselves, or both. Or they've been trained by their respective media trainers very hard. And the do says and the don't says, and that's why Artie Savier, out of breath but blatantly honest review of last second the last seconds of Saturday Night's Epic and Wellington, has got the odd headline. Got to take a breath, lost for words, and then the why was refreshing, and worth the other hundreds of duds that you get. He asked for his boys to give him 100%, 120%, actually. He felt he got it from them. He felt they were robbed, and without doubt, he let us know. Brilliant, a platform he deserves and answers we all deserve. Long may it continue, but I'll bet it won't. And whilst the Masters still cracks on, and Scotty Scheffler looks odd on odds on from this point on in back nine, I'm not sure if the sight of Tiger Woods clearly limping his way up to the clubhouse with 13 over against his name is a memory I want to keep. It was still an amazing effort, just walking 72 holes in all and making the cut, but somehow there's a bit of a sadness about it. But I'll bet the ratings will not reflect that. Well, it's another big uh, week of super rugby action. We saw some dominant performances out of the Blues and the Highlanders while the Crusaders managed to week out yet another win over the Hurricanes. The happy hunting ground is Sky Stadium for them. The round wasn't without its controversies, though. Artie Sevier petitioned to the referee to have a second look at a potential foul play from Scott Barrett off the game's final lineout. out There's also plenty of cards shown throughout the round, both here and across the Tasman. Our commentator, Jeff McTanch, uh, from Sky Sport, of course, is on the line to give us a full wrap of what uh, went on over the weekend. Uh, good morning to you, Jeff.
6: G'day, Smithy. Yeah, what a weekend of footy it was. Um, entertaining rugby. I, I saw the game that you were involved with at, uh, at Sky Stadium and I thought in particular that that was a, a, a great one to watch. I mean, both sides uh, at times sloppy, but um, yeah, I, look, it was a controversial finish. I think if you look back and, and rewind the tape, you see Scott Barrett uh, potentially coming across on on Ardi Savia. So yeah, maybe they can feel aggrieved, grief, but also on the other side of things, the Hurricanes had their chances to put that game away and, and um you know perhaps, uh if they could go back in time maybe Geordie Barrett would have had a crack to uh to square things up and take it to Golden Point. But like uh, it was a it was a great uh, a great one to watch. Oh, I think Josh Morby has, has been an outstanding pick up for for the Hurricanes, obviously allowing Geordie to go into to midfield and play 12, where I think he's looking good, he's strong, he's obviously big, um, he runs good lines. So it's giving Jason Holland uh, another option there. And I think Morby's just, uh, you know, not, not just scoring tries, not just finishing tries off, he's creating too. So they'll be pleased with that. The energy at times was outstanding. Adi Savi is obviously playing out of his skin at the moment. Um, so look, they've, they've given themselves chances, mate, but um, couldn't finish it off when when they needed to.
2: Yeah, uh, very interesting. Actually, just uh, we'll, we'll stay on this game a little. I thought the Hurricanes pack was outstanding. Uh, you know, man mm. for man, yeah, there was thir- thirteen internationals in the starting lineup for the Crusaders. Thirteen, but I thought uh, the pack effort from um, from the Crusade, uh, the Hurricanes in particular, was simply outstanding.
6: Yeah, they were, and and, and again led led by Ali Savia, I mean, you, you just can't buy the way he's playing that sort of leadership. On the other side of things, though, for the Crusaders, I mean, when you don't have a guy like Sam Whitelock, you don't have a Mitch Dunshay, and they can still run out of second row like that, um, again, it just shows the depth that they've got. wasn't their best rugby by any stretch, the Crusaders, but what I think they did well, mate, was, was they turned the Hurricanes around and said, OK, if you guys want to play rugby we're going to peg you back inside your 22, that's where you're going to have to play from. And, and they did that They did that quite well, didn't yeah. they? Uh, at times, managing yeah. to break the game open. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was a, it was good to watch and a controversial finish but um, it's the break sometimes.
2: Yeah, also we, we're talking about it afterwards um, and we, we can't remember too many penalties for offside and offside lines are usually one of the big hits for referees. Uh, it was a, certainly a penalty against George Bauer at one point but um, by and large, the offside line was, was pretty liberal, which made actually for, uh, against the, all, a lot of comments from a lot of people, actually made for a pretty interesting attacking game.
6: Yeah, yeah look, I think we want to see some positive, um, positive play, and I think from a refereeing standpoint, perhaps uh, not being too officious at times and, and letting the game Flow is, is, is perhaps what they're looking for there. Um, so, so I don't mind it, mate. But um, yeah, if you're going to be if you're going to be picky and, and go back over the tape and see if players are in front, then you know, perhaps you'll find that. did notice that a couple of times yeah. over the weekend. Lines were up pretty quick with their line speed, but again, we're wanting to see some attractive footy and, and the refs are allowing it. Crusaders I think will be, you know, Scott Roberts will be disappointed at times and Cullen Grace coming in off his feet there, giving away some penalties toward the end of the game that a little bit uncharacteristic so, um, you know, that'll be something they brush up on for the Blues, I'm sure.
2: I hope ady's not censured for being honest at the end of it.
6: No, no, I don't think so. I, look, I think he, he, he had a he had a point to make, you know. He, he's entitled to make that as the captain, and and I think perhaps um, you know talking to a few people on Messenger afterwards and whatnot. Maybe maybe you know Brendan should have gone upstairs and had a look. Um, given that given mm. the nature of of the game at the moment, uh, perhaps they could have gone up and had a check. So maybe you know they'll 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 go and talk about that uh, as they will in their review. Uh, and perhaps you know if we see something like that later on this season, um, we may see them go up and, and, and check it in the box.
2: Islanders thirty seven, Moana Pacifica seventeen. Uh, oodles, oodles of credibility for Moana Pacifica in yeah. season one, but probably a predictable margin.
6: Yeah, I think I think Tony Brown will be pretty happy with that performance to win 37-17 in the end. Uh, look, I, I think the lose Shannon Frizzell and Manaki Selby Rickett early on, in the pace I thought Max Hicks coming on off of the bench in his debut out of Tasman was, was outstanding and you know the likes of Reese Marshall Fucker and the bench played a big role for the Highlanders in the end and they'll be pleased with me I think too with the way that their line-out drive worked to lose someone like Selby Rickett who's been so good in the air for them this season um the horsepower of, of Shannon Frizzelli's had an outstanding season as uh, well on the side of the scrum, to lose those guys and then to go on and have such a big part of their game being based around that drive. Andrew Makaleo has been such a good grab for the Highlanders, hasn't he? You know, just um, mm. just directing things at the back of that, of that driving wall and and, um, and and looking good. So you know, I was impressed with the way, uh, having lost those two guys early, how they responded. Uh, and I thought uh, Mitch Hunt too, you know, the, the way his, his confidence was knocked the week beforehand against the Crusaders, that that he came out, ran against uh, ran, uh, ran against the defensive line well, created uh, opportunities, created space for, for the Highlanders back. So, you know, when you're a Tony Brown coach side, um, you perhaps we would have seen them get the ball on their hands a bit more this season. But uh, I thought against Moana, uh, they started to look good.
2: Worries for uh, the Chiefs. Uh, blanked by the Blues. Blues 25, Chiefs nil. mm mm-hmm. That was an
6: interesting game of footy. Like that was, it was a really strange one to watch because the statistic at the end, twenty-five points to nil. I don't think it told the full story of the game. And if you watched it carefully, I mean, the Chiefs had ample opportunity to. uh, I mean, they crossed the line three times, didn't they? But uh, those those tries for one was uh, for obstruction. Uh, Tokiago just before the stroke of half time lost the ball, uh, forward over the line, and. and they had another one ruled out as well for a, for a foot in touch or an arm in touch. So, well, they had their opportunities, but the, the encouraging thing, I think, for Leon McDonald is he's got a blue side there um, that's not just hot on attack. And, I mean, Bowden Barrett was was outstanding coming back and, and, and leading the team the way he did, that cross-field kick for, um, for, uh, for, Robert, for Big Red, Tom Robinson, for his try, and then the big wide pass as well for A.J. Lamb. He was looking slick, but I think defensively, they were outstanding. To lose Luke Romano to the bin, to lose Sam Nock to the bin just before half-time and repel that Chiefs attack, um, oh, I, don't think you've, we, I don't think we've seen a Blues team like it for a few years. So that'll, they'll take great heart out of that, uh, particularly going into a game now against the Crusaders, which is going to be an absolute belter. But uh, you can't say the Chiefs didn't have their opportunities. They certainly did. But again, that, that defensive effort from the Blues was, was simply outstanding.
2: Uh, Anton Leonard-Brown, bit of a worry there.
6: It is, mate. Yeah, it's not good to see um, the injury ward uh, starting to pile up uh, across Aotearoa. Um, the, the, the players that we're losing, and, and certainly losing Anton Leonard-Brown, with a serious injury, it looks like, um, is no good uh, down the track for the All Blacks as well. But, I mean, they're well served with the uh, the cover they've got there, the likes of Alex Nankerville um, being able to... Be a miss to fix it across the board, but certainly a worrying uh, sign. And um, I mean, you just have to look it off of Tonga Fati's face after that game. The stitches he had to give him his head to to tidy things up. Um, I think that just demonstrated or illustrated how tough that game was.
2: Looking across uh, the Tasman at the results uh, over there, the Brumbies predictably over the Drua, 33 12. Uh, and of course the rebels 22 21 over the force so what are you what are you envisaging now having had a decent look at both sides of the competition what are you envisaging when they come together
6: well it's going to be interesting because um, you know we haven't we haven't been able to play them yet to see to see how things are going to go so you look at that table at the end of every weekend and you think well oh, the brumbies are playing some pretty good footy at the moment and they're driving more, worked well against the uh, Drua. You know, a right scored a couple of good tries. Um, but it's very hard to gauge. I think when we, when, when we do come to play them, the New Zealand sides, I think, will have an edge. Um, just the nature of, of playing these derby matches week in, week out. Um, Will be interesting. Be interesting to see how the likes of Moana Pacifica go against these Aussie teams too. I mean, they've had a, a baptism of baptism of fire coming in against the New Zealand teams uh, as well, and as we've talked about, I think they've they've gone pretty good guns early on um, for for a franchise that's new to the competition. So, um, remains to be seen. But uh, the way the Australians are playing, um, as I say, I think the Brumbies the other night uh, using that that rolling more well, when it comes to the crunch against teams like the Crusaders, we talked about the Highlanders using it well now, it's how effective they'll be against those New Zealand teams um, at line at time and set pace, um to determine whether or not they're going to actually stack up, I think.
2: Officiating of the game is another thing that uh, is often something mm. we talk about on a Monday. Of course, people will be uh, talking about uh, the Brendan Pickerel decision right at the end of the game there. Um, but there's it's a lot of interesting ways that they interpret things. For instance, the other night there were four deliberate knockdowns in that Crusaders Hurricane game, four, uh, and no cards.
6: Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It's uh, it, it is frustrating, I think, when you, you go through a weekend and you see in one game like the like the knockdowns that we've seen, uh, and um, and the mounting cards. You know, we sometimes we see multiple penalties inside um, you know, a defending team's twenty two and we don't see a card and then on other occasions um you get the team warning, you get one. So I think I think what, what needs to happen and I think all that Artie Savia and 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 the rest of the captains around the, the competition are asking for is a little bit of consistency smithy across the board. So um you know, you talked about the offside line, and perhaps, you know, you know, they should have been pinged a bit more there. I think all, all, all anyone is asking for is consistency. You know, that, that's all we want. So um, hopefully we, we get more of that through the, through the competition.
2: Right, well, um, there's a catch-up game uh, tomorrow night, as early as tomorrow night, uh, Jeff, of course, the Hurricanes uh, and Moana Pacifica, who knocked them over last time around. So um, I'm not sure the Hurricanes, even though it's battered and bruised as they look to be, after Saturday night, can afford to take too many liberties here?
6: No, they can't. Uh, And I think for Moana Pacifica, you know, Aaron Major, he's been dealt the hand, uh, a pretty rough hand to start the competition, but I don't think anyone really um, expected, when you looked at the schedule they had, the revised schedule, uh, for them to cope as well as they have. I mean, for large parts of that game against the Highlanders, they were right in there. And I think perhaps... um, you know, just running out of a, a little bit of gas at the end. Um, but when you look at the depth across their squad and the way that they're playing, and particularly with that back line and Inari, Lillia you've got McClatchy coming off the bench and that one-two punch in midfield of Toala and Aomua. I mean, these guys aren't taking a backward step. Uh, as I say, they've been dealt a fairly, fairly rough hand in terms of the competition schedule, but um, you, you can't rule anything out. And as you say... Um, having that historic win first up over the Hurricanes at Mount Smart a few weeks ago, they'll take a lot out of that. Um, and uh, at times, too, I mean, against the Highlanders, they open them up. You no, know, they they really use that ball off ruck that uh, the, the ruck speed, getting the ball away into the hands of a lot of the likes of Armour, and um, he's, he's pretty hard to stop, isn't he? When you get him close to the line, so um, they'll just continue to play their brand of footy. And I think if anything, um, what we saw the other night. Uh, Crusaders, Hurricanes is anything to go by. It'll be a, a pretty free-flowing gun.
2: Clash of the Titans, as you uh, hinted at before us uh, this weekend, is uh, Friday night, Good Good Friday, Crusaders, Blues uh, in Christchurch. That is uh, now oh, becoming be uh, quite decisive, yeah, it's quite decisive, but, and, but mouth-watering as well to look forward to.
7: It
6: is, mate, and, and I... You know, I go back to, to what I think is working well for the Blues this season, and it's defensively. I mean, they're just outstanding. And um, you look at that game, the Crusaders lost to the Chiefs uh, this season in, in Christchurch. I think, yeah, I think they made 160-odd tackles to about 70 or something like that. So, you know, and, and the Chiefs only just got that done uh, at the end. So if the Blues are going to win in Christchurch, it's going to take... One heck of an effort defensively again. I think Leo McDonald will expect them to brush up on their discipline a bit. I mean, you can't be you can't be right on your line if you look Romano and stick your mitt out uh, on the ball and play it like that. You can't do that against the Crusaders. if They'll just hurt you. I mean, they showed against the Hurricanes when they got a snuff, like one you know a little bit of turnover ball from Tom Christie, who's just been playing out of his skin. He's just unbelievable. You give that guy half a second on the ball, and they've got it. And first phase Crusaders are just they're unbelievable, and you put Will Jordan in the line, injected him into it, and we saw what he did uh, on the weekend at Sky Stadium. They'll hurt you, they'll punish you, so discipline's going to be massive for the Blues, but um, as I say, I think Leon McDonald and the staff will take a lot of heart of the way they, they manage to keep the Chiefs at bay. Uh,
2: Jeff, uh, what, what what have you got this weekend? Um, there's two games on Saturday, which one are you at?
6: Me this weekend, I'm, I've got the Chiefs uh, this weekend, so um interested to see how they, they can uh, bounce back. I'm sure they will. They weren't far off. Um, as I say, they managed to get over the line. The tries just didn't count. Mm. So this time around, I think uh, we'll, we'll see more of the same from them.
2: Just before I let you go, mate, if, if I said to you, right, uh, give me uh, two players that you think Ian Foster should be really, even this far out from the first All Black test, two players that uh, perhaps should be, Ian Foster should seriously be looking at out of a new crop. Would you have two?
6: Oh, mate, there's been some, some guys that are really starting to put their hands up. Um but um oh, it's a bit of a tough question, mate. I I think you know, when you look at the Crusaders and the players they continually unearth the likes of a uh, Fletcher Neil. I mean, they've just got a, a production line down there, guys like that um starting to put their hands up. Um Yeah, there's there's been there's been a few mate that have they put their hands up through the comp. Um, put me on the spot a little bit, but uh I'd not to ever
2: think about that. Yeah. What about yourself? No. Uh, I, oh, look, I, I just see it week after week. I, I just, I just think he should be taking note a little bit earlier than they normally do. You know, I, I think that that he really, they, they just have to be looking some of this uh, early season form. I thought Quinton Strange was actually absolutely brilliant uh, until he got an injury at the weekend. Uh, you know, uh, and we're, we're getting a bit aged in the lock department. So I think the emergence of a guy like him was, was quite fantastic. Um, you know, and I just I'm just looking for variations around the Jamie Booth. I thought at the base of the scrum was really good. I mean, the pressure around the halfback area, um, you know, so it's plenty there. Unless the Fi and Genuku, Um, I mean, goodness me, what a oh, difference teammates yeah. uh, yeah. even even yeah. to that side when he came on. You know,
6: you make a point, and I think the balance of that All Blacks back three is going to be really interesting, particularly now that Geordie Barrett has, has said right. You know, I'm keen to play at second 5-8, and we know how good he is at the back at, at 15, but when you look at a guy um, like Will Jordan, um, you need him in there, obviously. You need Geordie Barrett in there, so if, if we're going to maybe use, look at using Geordie at 5 I mean, we, we've talked about potentially having that absence of a big battering ram who, uh, who, has, who has silky touches in midfield, Geordie could do that. And then the other side of things as well, what sort of power game do you want in the back through the All Blacks? Do you need a player like Caleb Clark in there, or do you do you go for someone like a George Bridge uh, or a Leicester Fungu? These are the these are the questions they'll be mulling over um, because I think it's going to be vitally important when when we come down the track to playing these Northern Hemisphere teams. Um, we we talk about you know being you know going backwards against some of these teams at the breakdown and, and the big units that they've got there fetching the ball, the likes of England and whatnot, but and France in particular, but. I think maybe the one of the trump cards the All Blacks will have uh, going forward over the next twelve to eighteen months is is, is that power player at first receiver um, that they could use off of off of set piece. So uh, be interesting to see the, the the balance there.
2: Thanks for your input, Jeff. Uh, love the summary of the weekend. Look forward to this weekend as well. And uh, your call, Chiefs uh, Moana Pacifica Saturday. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Okay, cheers. Uh, that's Jeff McTainch there from uh, Sky Sport, of course. Um, but yeah 9.23 here on SENZ I can tell you in the Masters uh, the leaders now down to three after 11 holes Sheffler bogeying the 10th uh, and Cameron Smith birdieing the 11th which is probably one of the hardest golf holes um, around the world actually to be fair so he did that so uh, we'll keep an eye on that for you also what did you um, make of uh, the weekend's rugby I've had texts in already but uh, would you have kicked for goal uh, we thought uh, we're, uh, that the Hurricanes might have kicked for goal rather than Bring the Crusaders back into it with a line out that they're always going to contest in that situation so uh, interesting what did you make of that uh, and uh, Artie's uh, comments nice fresh comments uh, what did you make of those as well oh, I love them, uh, Cameron Smith by the way just hit his ball in the water on the 12th Ugh. Australia sinks to its knees 9.24
4: Your local Polaris dealer today Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
2: 9.29 here on SCNZ. Time for a couple of texts that have uh, come in already. Thanks. Keep them coming in, Double eight double three, or give us a call, 0800 is our phone number. Ken has come in. Unashamed blue supporter, Auckland supporter. Uh, Smithy, greatest performance in many years, even without starters in Laulala, RTS, Akira, Clark, Carl uh, Tuanakuafi, uh, Christie, Zahn, Sullivan, all missing. Bowden was sensational. Cheers, Ken. Yeah, they're looking good, the Blues. Looking forward to that clash this Friday night. Good Friday. Won't be a boring good Friday, will it? Mikey's come in with a morning in. Canes fans, take a breath. I love Artie, who is currently the best player in Super Rugby, but there were at least three deliberate knockdowns, true, by the Canes, one by the uh, Crusaders, yet not one yellow card. If this was the All Blacks playing, they would have been carded every day. We have a World Cup coming up, but if local players keep making stupid and cynical plays then we are in big trouble come the Cup. And this falls not only on the players, but on the local refs as well. Mikey G, thanks very much for your thoughts there. Uh, 9.30, time to uh, pop across to the newsroom where Ottawa is waiting for us. Well, it's 9.32 here on SENZ. I can tell you from a golf point of view, and we're talking golf right here and now, uh, that uh, he, Scotty has just made a clutch up and down on the par 3 whereas Cameron Smith is about to make a triple bogey six, which is the end of him. That's the end of Cameron Smith's brave fight uh, this time around, which leaves the only challenger really left to be McIlroy, who is at six under, four shots behind and he's got two holes to play so that's the latest from the Masters but to get an overall perspective on what's been another fascinating major tournament at one of the most famous courses in the world is Jay Carter now Jay joins us this morning he's New Zealand's national golf coach Jay thanks for your time
7: no worries thanks for having me on
2: hey mate national golf coach before we get to the Masters what does that entail uh, in terms of uh, all-round activities as such
7: Um, so I guess supporting our, our national players, men, women, um, girls and boys. And then also, uh, obviously that means traveling around playing tournaments when we, when there's no COVID and then, um, also trying to support the districts where we can, um, supporting their aspiring players through, um, what, yeah, whatever means that is statistics or coaching or anything. So yeah, pretty broad role.
2: Well, a lot of these uh, players, young players you're talking about in particular um, will have opportunities now that COVID, of course, is, is diminishing. We, we cross our fingers with that around the place. Um, but uh, they get a lot of inspiration from what they see on television and what they see on television at the moment, of course, is the Masters, which is probably, Jay, day in, day out, our favourite tournament to watch because it's a golf course at, at, that uh, we, we feel, I think, at home that we know pretty well.
7: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those... Bizarre ones isn't it, I was thinking, I was walking to work this morning thinking you could feel like you intimately know every hole. Whereas most events we watch, we only sort of get to know the back nine. Um but yeah, it's pretty special and cool for the young players here, I think, to see someone like Cam Smith who <clears throat> a lot of our a lot of our rookie pros or our younger pros have played with Cam a bit and to see that um what he's done obviously just made triple on twelve. But um prior to that and even Middle we Lee, the other young Aussie um, he went out in 6 30, I think, on the front line today. So, cool for our players to see that it, um, it is achievable, you know, from guys that they've grown up playing with.
2: What did you make of uh, Tiger's performance? First of all, to front up, to walk the 72 holes, etc. Finished at 13 over, which uh, even he would not be happy with. But by and large, what did you make
7: of that? Yeah, I thought it was pretty impressive. It was hard to know. Uh, how it was going to how he was going to hold up. I think there's a hard thing. It would, it's like any sport, you know. You can, um, as you would well know, you can have as many net sessions as you like, but there's nothing like playing out in the middle and rugby trainings as you like. But there's nothing like the game, and I think golf's no different. So he has had no no tournament golf leading up, um, and there's just the subtleties I think that go with playing tournament golf and uh, some of that stuff. So I think it's pretty impressive, and and notwithstanding the golf course is so hilly, it's so undulating. It's a hell of a walk. So, forgetting the stress that the, his swing would put on his body, just the walk um, on top of that would have made it even harder. So I thought it was pretty impressive, really, and cool to see him back.
2: Well, and you know, I mean, everyone wants to see him back. Um, I, I noticed that it's a long, quite a long walk from the 18th up to the clubhouse, and it looked a bit. He had a big smile on his face, but uh, you could tell he was in a, a little bit of discomfort. And I. I just wonder how much golf he might play Jay this year, I mean just the majors maybe, or
7: uh, one or two in between yeah you'd have to think it'll be it' be pretty limited uh, yeah, I do think you need those in between events just to try and sharpen the sword a little bit. It's hard to front up to these events with the best players in the world on golf courses that are set up so tough um if you haven't uh you know if you haven't had some of that uh, work leading in um they, i mean this, this golf course is 6,900 metres, which, if you've played Cape Kidnappers or Wairake or Kinloch off the back tees, that's 6,500. So it's another 400 metres longer than those championship courses. And then and then we think about most, like your Bridge Par and Mount Maunganui and those sort of courses that are around 6,000 metres. It's 900 metres longer than those courses. So it's a beast of a course. So I don't think you can just show up to these events and, and you know hope to have a chance I think you would have to do a bit of work in between Let's talk
2: about uh, Scotty Scheffler now I, I look at the leaderboard it's probably his to lose now uh, Rory McElroy is uh, four behind with one to go he's the only re- realistic challenger now uh, so uh, Scheffler's to lose which is it is possible there's enough water and enough pr- trouble on this course to do but Scheffler's year uh, aside from this has been remarkable anyway
7: Yeah absolutely and um but his whole uh, his whole golfing life, I I don't know how old he is. I think he's only like twenty five or something, but uh, as a junior, you know, he won a phenomenal amount of um I think I heard it this morning, I think, on the coverage they said he he won something like ninety out of a hundred and thirty events that he teed it up and so um he's phenomenal and, and he looks a little bit unconventional too, which I quite like.
2: He does. He looks a, a bit unconventional, but he does look to have uh, the one thing that you need in these situations, a temperament as such, and a good one.
7: Yeah, some of those um, some of those shots he played early in the round um, I thought were pretty impressive, especially with Cam starting birdie-birdie. Uh, and then he chipped in on... Uh, Sheffield chipped in on three, and then he had that lovely up and down on four. Um, yeah, you're right. Under the pressure, and even, you know, you think about... Cam's shot that he just hit into twelve. You know, we we're sitting here and judging him for heading into in the water and saying, "Oh," but you know, the pressure they must be under is immense, right? Yeah,
2: I, I, it must be immense. Um, but you know, the, the rewards are, are simply amazing. So, uh, I, I just next to the next to um, the Masters. What is it for you? What's your next one that you like? Is it the Open? Is it the US Open?
7: No, it's the Open. The Open Championship. Uh, to be honest, the Masters and the Open are probably the two weeks of the year where my family know I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit out of action on those uh, those weeks. I, I don't watch a heck of a lot of golf, um, you know, the uh, TV golf apart from. But I try and watch every minute of those two majors.
2: So let's uh, look at the state of uh, of New Zealand golf while we've got you here, Jay. What what, what is coming up? Um, you know, we, we know that our high-profile event has been, uh, well, I, I should say been, uh, it's been diminished to still a, a, a pro-am type event, but to, not to the same stake or the same feel. But uh, tell us a, a, a wee bit about golf as we look to break
7: out of COVID and the red line and the red, the red system we live in. Yeah, it's, um, well, we've got our fingers crossed that we're going to take a woman's team up to sync for next month for the Queen Syracuse, so that'll be the first time we've travelled in a few years. And then um, in June, our men will go to Hong Kong for the Nomura Cup. And then this year, later in the year, we've got the Eisenhower and Espirito Santo uh, in France, actually, at the course, Golf National, where they played the Ryder Cup. Um, so it's unusual to have those four tournaments all in one year, but it's just been the backlog of COVID. So our young, um, our young sort of amateur players have got that to look forward to. But we do have uh, we've got a lot of players, uh rookie pros, Alan Alan tours around the world that are going quite well. Dan Hilly is going really well. Um, Dean and Nick Voker playing well in America and Amelia Garvey. So it feels like we're in a good space at the moment with uh some some new young tour players that'll be hopefully or certainly the men, hopefully, you know, getting onto the main tour in the next few years to join Foxy and, and I mean even yeah. think about Delphi.
2: Yeah, Stephen Alco, I mean, you know, um, how much he's going to make, God knows the way he's playing. He's just having a hell of a time. But uh, one of the traditional pathways into the PGA or the Corn Ferry Tour, of course, is through the American college system. Do do we have golfers in that system?
7: Uh, Yeah, we do. We've got a few. Um, It's it's a little bit of a traditional pathway because in America, that's your only option. So Mm -hmm. they don't have uh, tournament schedules and tournament structures like we do um, on this part of the world. So you see, um, you know, you don't see too many Australian players going through the college system. Um, we've got a few over there, but a lot of our, I mean, you know, Foxy didn't go to college, Dan didn't go to college. Uh, it's a tough way to crack it. Um, and I think with the opportunities you get with Golf New Zealand, you know, if you're a top player and there's no COVID, um, there's a fair amount of international events that you play, like our Eisenhower that we our last eyes now that we traveled to was Kerry Mountcastle, Dan Hillier and Denzel at a and in that field was Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, um the Hoygaard twins from from Europe. So the top mm. amateurs get to they get to play and compete against the best players in the world equally as much as the college players do. So uh while college is a good option, but it's not it's probably not the only one.
2: Jay, it's been good catching up with you. Actually, uh, update on the Masters good to get a little perspective on. Uh, it, it, it sounds like you know Cam Smith pretty well, and and maybe Sam Pinfold as caddy. So, uh, is that the case?
7: Uh, I yeah, I know um I know Cam's uh, team pretty well, and and I've known Sam for a long time. Don't uh, haven't seen Sam for years, but um but yeah, know them well, know his team. So I was really rooting for him this morning. I was hoping he was going to pull through.
2: Yeah, it looks like he's uh, in a... Well, I'm not saying he's in trouble on 13. They both got a hit over the, over Ray's Creek to get close to the pin. But, uh, yeah, OK, so, uh, yeah, he just seems pretty laid-back sort of a dude, uh, Cam Smith, but uh, very looks very disappointed with himself in the last uh, 20 minutes or so with uh, some of his shot play.
7: Yeah, he um, he is laid-back, but he's also a fierce competitor. He's that lovely balance of, um, you know, that I think some of the best players have. He's He's fiercely competitive. Uh, And he's had some good performances in the Masters over the years and, you know, it's probably the last thing he would want to hear, but it'll be one of those learning opportunities and you see the best players bounce back from this sort of stuff and learn and certainly I don't reckon it'll be the last time we see him up the top of the leaderboard.
2: Nah, well, he's already banked the Players' Championship this year, the fifth major, so he's done pretty well. I don't think he's going to get himself back into contention here. Uh, it's more chefless to lose, actually, I think, from here on in. So good luck to Scott Sheffer, and uh, yeah. thank you very much to Jay Carter for joining us this morning. Thanks for your time, mate.
7: Too easy, any time.
2: Yeah, cheers. Uh, Jay Carter there, who's the uh, national golf, golf coach for uh, New Zealand. And uh, now that COVID is uh, hopefully loosening its grips on us, uh, he would uh, had the opportunity to do his job better and get out and about around uh, our young up-and-coming golfers golfers and our uh, elite ones as well. It's 9.44 here on SCNZ. We'll be back shortly.
4: Every month, visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
2: Yeah, on SCNZ, uh, that is the case also. Uh, 9.49 as we head through to uh, 10 o'clock. And our show of course, uh, between 9 and 12, is in conjunction with Polaris. Uh, They are, of course, number one selling brand, side-by-side vehicles. Uh, Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. We are so pleased that uh, they are with us. A text coming in uh, from Ken again. Smithy, good on Artie for speaking his mind after the game. Hard done by the Hurricanes. Should have been a penalty in my book. Cheers. Uh, Thanks for that. Yeah, And uh, if you want to come in on that uh, or anything else, just over the weekend or Tigers performance, Double eight, double three is our text number, 800 is our phone number, uh, 150811, by the way. Uh, now, Ottawa, Yes, uh, sir. Is, uh, yes, you've been um, just sleeping away there reading the news from time to time, but judging oh. by your cap that mm. you've got on, and you are uh, a Formula One, um, I'd say an expert. So what did you see over the weekend that impressed you?
8: I don't think I'm an expert on anything, but I do stalk it, and I have for many years. In fact, did you know Daniel Ricciardo, who drives for, for McLaren, has a Polaris? Yeah. I saw this on Instagram last week. Because he was okay. back in Australia. He's, they've got a family farm in Perth not stalking at all, Smithy. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) it's starting to sound like I am. And I noticed in his Instagram photos that he had like one of the, the beautiful uh, kind of Ferrari red, sorry, red one, the Polaris 1000s. And I thought, "Hmm, I wonder if he races around on that in the Outback.
2: So did you watch it the weekend? Were you glued? Yeah. The uh, the action? Yeah.
8: Yeah. And the, It was really strange watching it at a decent hour. Usually, I'm almost a cadaver with moths flying out of my mouth in the wee small hours of the morning trying to wake up to watch Formula One. Because, you know, when they go to places like Bahrain or even when they're at Silverstone, it's mental time here in New Zealand to watch it. So it was really nice for the first time in like since 2019 to be able to watch it in the afternoon with a wine. I mean, cup of tea. And,
2: and it looks like this uh, Leclerc uh, is is he's the key, is he Charles Leclerc? He's uh, now I think he's got a thirty four point and uh, lead in the standings already for Ferrari, so he looks pretty cool at this point.
8: I can't believe that he's got a lead that big when his teammate didn't finish this weekend, and also that they're they're Ferraris in first place, but Mercedes is placed second. And you'd argue that they have probably some of the worst cars on the grid. (laughs) But they just happen to keep finishing and getting a bit lucky. Plus, they've got Lewis Hamilton. So, you know, whether you love him or you hate him, he can drive. And he can drive a Hillman Hunter probably just as fast as some of those cars around the track. If if you're comparing them with the rubbish drivers. Not that there are any in Formula One, of course.
2: No, no. Well, thanks for that. I'm going to um, just tap into your... Uh, knowledge a lot more and a lot more subjects too. Now that I'm getting to know you, look forward to that. My dad Uh, used to
8: race motorbikes, so I'm a petrol head from... (laughs) I blame him. Thanks very much.
2: Oh, okay, we'll blame your dad. Good on that. 953 here on SCNZ, I can tell you from uh, the Masters, Scotty Scheffler is uh, teeing off now as a uh, three-shot lead over Rory McIlroy, who incidentally just hold his bunker shot. So there's still pressure on Scotty Scheffler, Hold his bunker shot on 18. And 30 seconds later, Colin Colin Morikara from the same bunker did exactly the same thing. Remarkable viewing at the Masters. It just does not seem to stop. Uh, When we come back from uh, our break here, uh, a quick chat. uh, In fact, we'll have a multi, shall we? We'll have a multi. Joey's Joey's in charge this morning. Give me the thumbs up. We will have a multi. Just going into the 10
4: o'clock news. Every month, visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
1: you got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run.
0: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
2: Well last week was uh, notoriously bad actually to be fair and the uh, Warriors got up to beat the Cowboys which was cool but the Phoenix uh, beat the, the Western United against uh, all form bets so uh, yeah, not too good there. So today, uh, Golden State to beat the Pelicans uh, $1.35 there. Uh, Sunrisers Hyderabad to beat the Gujarat Titans sits in the IPL at $1.65 and the Pulse to beat the Steel in the netball tonight at $1.60. Uh, net result for that will be 3 dollars fifty. So after the break, we're going to be chatting with Josh Garlop, who was uh, at Albert Park Circuit over the weekend uh, on the events of Formula One and, of course, the supercars. Let's not forget them as well. Uh, And then uh, we'll have a panel later in the hour with Brad Lewis and Hamish Bidwell a number of things to talk about.
3: NZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: And it is 10.03 New Zealand time as we uh, head into the second hour of the show this morning and it doesn't appear as if Cameron Smith is going to give Australia golfing glory. But they had uh, plenty of glory over the weekend because they hosted Formula 1 again back at, at Albert Park in Melbourne. Third race of the season, uh, Ferrari's Charles Leclerc uh, led from the start to finish, uh, managing to hold off uh, Max Verstappen for the majority of the race before his engine imploded once again. Sergio Perez was second, uh, and uh, Mercedes' uh, George Russell rounded off the top three with Lewis Hamilton uh, finishing a close, close fourth behind his uh, teammate there. Now, uh, our next guest is Josh Gallup. Now, Josh was uh, there in Melbourne at the weekend, but Josh has got a, a magnificent podcast called Full Circle, He's also got a huge background in basketball uh, and in AFL as well as a uh, participant, but also as a broadcaster. Josh, it's our, our honour to have you on the show this morning. Thanks for, thanks for your time.
9: Thanks for having us, Smitty.
2: Uh, 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 mate, you were back uh, at Melbourne. Um, tell us a wee bit about the atmosphere now that uh, uh, COVID has uh, allowed us to have these events back on our back doorsteps, mate.
9: You, know, you can hear from my voice, I'm a bit um, worse aware after the weekend. But um, no, it was absolutely crazy across the whole city. Uh, it, it felt like it felt like they'd really sort of taken it upon themselves to welcome them back as good as they could. It's the first time it's ever sold out every single day uh, at the event. And part of that's, I think, uh, on the back of the show Drive to Survive, it sort of opened up to an entirely new audience. Now, the side of it is, Melbourne just felt like it was bursting in the seams. Every pub was full, everyone was out. And it was about the third week in a row of that because. There was still a lot of COVID fear. Even three weeks ago now, it feels like everyone sort of kind of merged and uh, it, you got really that vibe at the track. It, it was like a festival. And um, I think it was just another great experience. And on top of it, you had Dan Ricciardo finishing sixth. And then in the wings, the, the next in line, Oscar Piastri, doing plenty of uh, events over the weekend. That's their backup driver for Alpine, who's also from Melbourne.
2: And the clever thing was, Josh, uh, we'll get to Formula One in, uh, specifically in a minute, but they combined it with uh, supercar racing as well, and of course uh, you had uh, Chas Mostert, Shane Van Gisbergen uh, to the fore on that, so it was a real feast for you guys.
9: It was it was really good, like uh, for a lot of people that probably aren't V8 supercars fans, but they are drawn in by F1 as through the opportunity to promote motorsport, and uh, pretty much everyone from Australia that's involved in some capacity in that was either over involved in uh some of the, the pre earlier shows or the there was a lot of sort of um exhibition races and things throughout the entire day. So there was a lot of people we, we met uh, over the day over the couple of days were guys that had finished their their one or two things to do, then were in the lounge hanging out and um reaping the true benefit of the thing and that's a couple of free drinks and a couple of free canapes, sweetie.
2: Yeah, and I- well, whatever it is, and a bit of yelling and screaming as well. By the sound of it, Josh, um, hell of a weekend for you, mate. Uh, no, I, no, six months six months ago, you wouldn't be talking to us because you'd have the you'd have the virus. But now we know it's just a weekend in Melbourne.
9: That's right. Uh, no, it was a very good weekend in Melbourne. And, um, I think that was cool. That it, there were so many. I've been, I'm originally from Perth, Smithy. I've not left Perth for about yeah. two years, so to come out back to Melbourne and um, just see at, at full force again, and after what they've been through as a city, was really cool.
2: OK, let's uh, look at the, uh, the, um, the Grand Prix itself. And Dan- Danny Ricciardo, as you say, finishing sixth. Uh, that was above expectations?
9: Yeah, I just think McLaren in general performed really well over the weekend. They had a really good season two, two years ago. Um, and they dropped back a bit last year, and this year they're hoping to respond, but haven't had the starts of the year they've expected to have Stroll and, uh, oh, sorry, have Ricardo finish so well. Uh, in particular, who's had such an issue with the car recently, and his home home uh, Grand Prix, I think he would have left extremely happy. Um, it's clear that Red Bull, when they can stay on, and Ferrari are the the better machines this year. They've figured it out the the changes to the car um, quicker than anyone, and they've they've obviously come out of the gate very very fast. Uh, so for McLaren to get the result they did, I think you uh, you have to be really happy, and I, I'm sure. I'm sure it was behind the scenes. McLaren were very happy as well. A lot of points for them this weekend.
2: Massive disappointment for Red Bull fans and uh, Max Verstappen, of course, the defending champion. uh, Forced to retire yet again. Same problem as in Bahrain.
9: Yeah, it was a bit bizarre. He's had the most polarising start to the season, hasn't he? He's crashed out twice and then had a podium and um, lifted a cup uh, in between. So he's still sort of up there, but he's now sort of... This is the sort of thing that'll hurt him later in the season, and potentially he's really like competitive guy. Obviously, everyone sees that, and he's a very switched-on guy. But um, a couple of the mates saw him walking around in the paddock after; didn't seem too upset, or well, visibly anyway. I'm sure he was gutted, but he wasn't kicking chairs or anything. So, um, I, I assume there's there's more to come. Than that, and then in the constructors' championship, see Red Bull slip. Now they're actually behind Mercedes, so uh, they're, the the, the the poor stuff they had in Bahrain is yeah. impacting them now.
2: So obviously, uh, it's only we're only three races into uh, the season. Le- Leclerc has uh, seventy-one points, Russell thirty-seven, uh, Carlos Sainz Junior thirty-three. So uh, there's a lot of obviously a lot of motor racing to come, but early signs are good for the, the this Frenchman, Charles Leclerc. Tell us a wee bit about him.
9: Um, odd. Oh, Charlie, is really, really liked around the track. Everyone seems to really enjoy him. He's sort of always been a very talented driver. Um, and early in his career, I th- believe he was one of the, the best uh, F2, F3 drivers before getting his chance at F1. And then uh, I just I, I think he's sort of right time, right place. He came to Ferrari and they didn't have the car to match. now this year they have the best car. And you see that in the celebration from the entire team. It's really is a team sport when you see these guys. It's not just not just Leclerc, His, his entire team seems to be right right now. They've got um, he's got a very good trainer. He's got a, he's got a, the car going great, and the mechanics. You would see them celebrating more than anyone uh, when they really sort of celebrate a team win. So um, no, I can't really say anything poorly about the man. He's doing doing great. He's pretty pretty marketable too. Like he's a good looking young man. He's um, sort of F one purebred, and uh, yeah, as you said, he's something like a thirty seven point lead now. So. It's crazy that we're only three races in and it's already building out. A guy like Lewis Hamilton, who has won seven uh, titles himself, now is sort of nowhere near this far younger, maybe the next generation of driver.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I mean, there's not much for Lewis Hamilton, or Sir Lewis Hamilton, to achieve much in in Formula One anymore. But there he is again, going around again, finished... uh, what fourth uh, at the weekend? So a creditable finish. They're not quite podium, but where do you think his mind is at, knowing full well that his car probably is just not going to be quick enough?
9: Oh, it would be frustrating. I think that's like the most frustrating thing about the sport is it's not on yourself going kind to of work out. You can only do so much. There's a lot of uncontrollables. I think um, once watch with that too is like George Russell came over this year and he's doing doing well. We've got his first podium this season uh, on the weekend and. At some point in this season, I mean, we've seen with Toto Wolf, he's probably going to make a decision, and they have to pick who's the start, who's basically the first driver. It'd uh, be a pretty hard pill to swallow a seven-time world champion to say, "Okay, I'm going to let you, I'm going to help George Russell win a championship." So I think that's one to watch uh, as the season plays out. Not whether or not he wins, but whether or not he's being told to let George Russell overtake at times. Uh, Josh, how long is uh, Albert Park
2: locked in for?
9: uh i i would in case you're me a drop one i don't know off the top of my head but you'd have to think it's a like it's one of the jewels in in the f1 tour like they obviously have their huge ones like austin's always been a favorite with the drivers but also they've put on such a show and then monaco is such a huge one as well but i mean there's no reason why other Park can't tick on i unless sydney's not making maybe maybe Verlandis wants to make a push for sydney as well for the f1 who knows but um uh yeah I, I, I can't i can't be sure changing anytime soon maybe they, maybe just to change the contract at all
2: okay uh whilst we've got you here I know you've got a massive background in other sports as well and uh, you've got your podcast full circle uh i'm just looking at uh the basketball side of things on both sides uh of the world n b l who are your winners or who are your likely winners in the n b l this year
9: um or oh, i the City Kings are absolutely rolling so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they claim it all right now but it's whether or not their momentum peaking at the right time but they just have so much depth you have three amazing imports and three, and then all these role players that have bought into Chase Buford, their coach's system. So if they do, if they keep going the way they there's no one that can beat them but you can't back it, can't lose faith in a team like Melbourne um, United and even Perth, the Perth Wildcats, all the random ra- ra- games of theirs are at home if they can knock off some more wins, find some form, they can potentially make a run as well especially with their uh, MVP, Bryce Cotton. Uh, and then, I mean, insane in saying that, the New Zealand Breakers, just speaking to your audience as well, Smithy, mm. they've had a tough season. They've been locked out of the country for a big period. They've um, they they really fought, and they've got these two young next-star players who've really shown flashes, and with that, they've been inconsistent. Every single team's been exciting to watch this year, which has been great, and there's been upsets throughout the entire season. So even the Breakers, who... Have a really have had a really tough load of land landed schedule. Uh, I they're one of my favourite teams to watch. So uh, even though even though I think it's probably Melbourne or, Melbourne United or Sydney, uh, I tell you what, every game, even in regular season has been, has been awesome.
2: And uh, just looking a bit further afield, we're getting at playoff time. Josh in the NBA, what what have you made of that? And uh, is there a standout for you
7: there?
9: For uh, the standouts to say that LeBron's not playing, uh, probably won't play finals, won't even get a chance to join the playing tournament, which is ridiculous for a guy that sort of was a fixture of finals every single year. The other guy, the other one is just uh, everyone sort of sleeping And Giannis Antetokounmpo. The reigning sort of finals MVP, NBA champion. Uh, I think a lot of guys, it, the way the MVP works or the way those awards work in the NBA, it's Sometimes it's about the narrative a lot more, and and with Giannis the you here, he's kind of just you know had a five percent increase on his stats or something like that. So he's having this amazing season, but it's kind of gone a little bit unsung comparatively to guys like Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. So I think um, the Milwaukee Bucks are one to watch still for me. I, they've got they've got depth, they've got um, defense, and if Giannis is firing, he's very hard to stop. So I think they're the two for me. Is the fact that Lakers will probably miss and. Uh, the Bucks or Brooklyn in a stronger East will hopefully meet, be meeting somewhere in the postseason, and uh, it'll be I reckon it'll be one of them that'll claim it.
2: Josh uh, Gallup, it's been great uh, catching up with you for the first time, mate. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, lozenges? What about some lozenges today, or are you just going to go back and um, <laughs> are, are you just going to go and have a hair of the dog?
9: Uh, no, no no way in hell. Um, I'm going to, I've got a heap of work to do. I've got to meet somewhere in, in Melbourne <laughs> in about 20 minutes. So I'm going to put on my best game face and um, hopefully keep in the job somehow. Um, yeah, so if you, thanks for having me. Check out full, full credit on Spotify our, our app. It's a fantastic program, hopefully. And we uh, do a lot of fun investigations. And I'm sure some of your audience will okay. like it.
2: Full credit it is. I was calling it full circle. Full credit it is, folks. So, uh, Josh, thanks very much for your time this morning. Really enjoyed chatting, mate.
9: No worries. Have you done?
2: Yeah, cheers. Uh, yeah. Okay. Full credit is uh, the podcast and uh, plenty of... Uh, uh, he's a real all-rounder, isn't he, uh, Josh, as you can hear. Um, might uh, <coughs> have a few, a few throat issues for a couple of days, it's fair to say, but why wouldn't you, after a weekend watching Formula One and supercars at Albert Park in Melbourne? Uh, It's 10.16 here on SENZ. Uh, When we return, we have uh, a panel this morning and uh, it's comprising Brad Lewis and Hamish Bidwell. Looking forward to talking to Hamish for the first time. It's coming shortly.
3: Big talk, big opinions, the panel.
2: This morning we're joined on the panel by Brad Lewis and Hamish Bidwell. Hamish has been on before, but my uh, first time talking to Hamish, which uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, Hamish, uh, one of the big stories of the weekend. Good morning to you, of course, has been the Masters. Tiger on show, made the cut, didn't disappoint, finished 13 over. What did you make of that performance, that comeback?
10: I didn't like it. I I was turned off by it. Um, I felt that um, a lot of the other participants were sort of relegated to bit part roles as we sort of hero-worship Tiger and his amazing comeback. I think that... I find him a hard guy to warm to. I don't think that he's um a particularly likable person and while I admire his golf and I have been astonished by the way he crushed so many rivals over so many decades. Um, yeah, I just I think he's just a hard guy to like and I, I don't like the fact that yeah, he overshadowed the tournament to a degree. We were, you know, breathless hushed tones over every shot that he played while others were actually winning leading
2: the tournament, and they were sort of relegated to to secondary roles. Ah, Interesting. Um, Yeah, I would imagine that's that's certainly, I I would imagine, not the majority opinion, but then again, I I think you've got a a lot of points in there as well because there is a hell of a lot of fine golfers on show, um, and it's not really now that Tiger's actually finished and walked off the course, Hamish, that we can appreciate uh, the efforts of one Scott Scheffler.
10: Again, that's slightly a shame. It's a bit underwhelming for him to sort of... He's not a particularly charismatic or well-known or heavily followed sort of a golfer. I have to admire what he's done. It's a hell of a hard tournament. There's so much scrutiny and pressure. That the course itself is difficult, and that's good to see. It's nice to see professionals battling a bit, as we do on the weekends. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's the whole tournament, which I've been looking forward to for a long time, has left me a little bit, bit cold this time.
2: Okay, interesting, Brad. What about your thoughts?
11: Well, I mean, in terms of Tiger the human, it's really none of my business what type of human he is and what he does off the off the um, off the course. I mean, Steve Wall wasn't a particularly nice person, but he was a great cricketer to watch, right? So, for me, like as not a hardcore golf fan, I've been interested because Tiger Woods has been playing, and it's you know that's just the man. He's one of the most popular sports people and and his barriers that he's broken and um, his high profile, it brings people to the game. And, uh, yeah, sure, he's he's been mediocre for the last two days, but you have to admit, you know, 18 months ago, he was told he could lose his leg. And to get around the course and play play good golf um, for uh, for at least a couple of days, I think it's highly commendable. And as I said, it's none of my business what sort of person he is, I'm, I'm in there to watch him play golf, and yeah, he's taken the uh, attention away from others, but it's Woods. he's he's one of the greatest sports people of the last 50 years.
2: Okay, let's uh, look at uh, UFC, Brad, and uh, look at Alexander the Great, Alex, Alex uh, Volkanovsky, dominant win yesterday, um, I think, which was expected, was it?
11: It was flawless, with he like... We now have to start considering this guy as the greatest featherweight of all time. The only person in that conversation is probably Max Holloway, who he's beaten twice, uh, once controversially, but my opinion, still won that fight. Uh, he's 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 been who so he's been in all the leagues of the division, the best guys. Uh, the best weight aside from Conor McGregor, the best weights of all time, he's beaten. So uh, now it's sort of um, it's really up to him. There's three or four young fellas coming through. Arnold Allen destroyed Dan Hooker a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think he could potentially be next for for Volk. But uh, when you know, I think the U.S. public needs to start giving this guy credit. He is a phenomenal fighter. He's probably one of the top five pounds per pound in MMA right now. Flawless performance uh, yesterday and a flawless performance against Brian Ortega. Uh, last year. The guy's on another level to any other featherweight on the planet right now, Um, and it's kudos to Joe Lopez's coach and the Eugene Berman and the CKB guys as well, because he spent a lot of time working with them. And just another example of Australasian mixed martial arts uh, taking over the world, and I think we'll have another champion later on this year in Qatar, France. Uh, it's um, it, it it's it's time that we need to start recognizing these guys, and 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 you know specifically from a US point of view because Volk didn't get a lot of love yesterday, and I just don't understand that the guy's an amazing fighter, and and he's in his prime, and he's one of the best in the world.
2: So on the uh, uh, the, uh the undercard as well, Brad, what a, what did you notice? What impressed you on the undercard?
11: Uh, Ian Gary is a guy to watch out for, Smithy. He's in the mold of Conor McGregor. He's a Conor McGregor fan. Uh, He's grown up wanting to be a mixed martial artist after being introduced to the sport um, by his dad watching Conor McGregor fight. Uh, He was highly impressive. I think he's got the potential to be a a breakout fighter. But Hamzet Chemaev, and Gilbert Burns, potentially one of the fights of the year. Um, um he hadn't looked human in his first Four or five fights, many. He only spent about six minutes total cage time in four UFC fights. Um, but Gilbert Burns took him to, the, to, to another level. That was a phenomenal fight. But Jamai got his hand raised and is now moving on, particularly to a well to fight. title.
2: Hamish Bidwell with us uh, as well. And uh, Hamish, uh, three in a row for the Warriors. Is it time to get excited? On but torn on that. Eh? Like, it's
10: commendable that they won. It's a bit of a Mid-table struggle of just a clash that they went on the weekend. All right. I want them to lose, if I'm honest about it. I'm not particularly impressed with Nathan Brown. I don't like where the club's heading culturally. I think they're signing, well, they have some guys already on the books of slightly dubious characters. They've got Dylan Walker coming next year. As I mentioned the other day, they had a, a strong dart for Jack DeBellin, who I sort of had some misgivings about being in NRL full stop. So I don't. I don't really admire what they're doing. I was sort of hoping that they would lose because the only way to get change anywhere is for things to sort of become well, for teams to be embarrassed into changing or shamed into it. I sort of think as as long as they sort of stumble along, they get a few wins. I mean, they're in that sort of seven to fourteen bracket of teams in the comp for me. They're not if they make the eight, I guess that'll retain Nathan Brown's job, but I'd like to see change. I just I don't think he's an elite coach. I think they've got holes on their roster. I commend their effort um against the Cowboys, that was good, but I uh, I prefer
2: them to lose if I'm honest about it. Okay, interesting. Um, Brad, uh, what about you? Uh, are you uh, genuinely in behind the Warriors as opposed to Hamish?
11: Well, you know, I kinda of have to um uh, sort of keep some form of uh neutrality, but like yeah, look I I, I I like Hamish, I thought um I commend them for their performance. Um, are they a top eighteen uh Billy? But, um, you know, they've been probably the three worst teams in the competition aside from the South and lots of the Dragons and the Titans who could be sort of four or five on that rank. So, uh, look, I, Nathan Brown, for me, doesn't convince me either, but I'm not I'm not hoping they lose every week. I've been a Warriors fan since ninety five, been to plenty of games, uh, and I thought the performance was really good. I think it was a breakout performance for Chanel Harris-DeVita. I don't think that um Walsh has quite hit his stretch yet, and when he does, we could see some magic there with him and Sean Johnson, and I think we need to give some kudos to Sean Smithy, because a lot of people weren't particularly impressed um, with his, his comeback to the club, you know, sort of moving back, but he's he's clearly developed um, his maturity, and he ran the cutter um, for a majority of that game. The Warriors were on the back foot for a lot of that game, and I think his, his, his head got them through it, and um, it was the ugliest, nicest drop goal of all time, getting that golden point drop in. I, I think Shorten deserves the credit. The credit is due for a mature performance, which we, we hadn't really seen from him um, in his previous stay with the club.
2: It's Hamish Pitworth and Brad Lewis with us this morning. They'll be back with us. Uh, Hopefully we're going to take a a news break right now here with Ardaha. And when we come back, uh, let's talk a a little bit of rugby, shall we? And a little bit of post-match interview, if you like. Uh, Here's Ardaha.
3: Big Opinions, the panel.
2: uh, Brad Lewis and Hamish Bidwell with us at the moment. I can tell you uh, that uh, Scott Scheffler, uh, Scotty Scheffler, has just hit, hit his tee shot well right on 17, but he doesn't have to panic. Uh, he has five shots uh, ahead of his nearest challenger, uh, Rory McElroy, who's already in the clubhouse. So five shots uh, with two holes to go. Looks like uh, a bit of a done deal there. Uh, Hamish, well, it's been a week since we, uh, we saw the end of the Cricket World Cup. Uh, I just wonder how quickly New Zealand cricket will react to to uh, what happened there and, um, and perhaps make a move, bearing in mind the Commonwealth Games are only, what, uh, four months away?
10: Yeah, I'd be interested to see what they do there. I don't think there's enough public scrutiny on that team which won't put any pressure on New Zealand cricket to act, particularly decisively or emphatically. Um, I thought in the circumstances that the White Ferns' performance was frankly pathetic. Um, they had every advantage, every opportunity to do well in that tournament. Now, you can say that how it finished up, they probably finished where they are. You know, they're about six out of eight. They're probably of that standard. But given the circumstances, the home conditions, the opportunities in matches, they had to win and couldn't close it out. I well, was pretty disappointed. I'd love to see, and I have some bias there because I've I played cricket with them for a long time. The a guy, Lance Dry, that coaches the Wellington Blaze. Now, he's... He's a real thinker on the game. He has some really high standards. He builds good teams. He hasn't had a lot of exposure at domestic level yet. This is his first year with the Blaze having been a firebird assistant coach prior. But I think he's the sort of guy who can invigorate a team like that, who could demand some standards. You're not going to get far with women's cricket teams ranting and raping. I understand that. But Lance knows that too. And I just think if they take someone from within the sanctum who's already there, like a Jake Gordon, for instance, and make them head coach, I don't think you're actually gaining a lot or making huge strides Um, I'd like to see New Zealand cricket actually treat the White Ferns with the respect and the media too the respect they deserve, we sort of give them a well done, nice try, hard luck, better luck next time sort of treatment and I I think they deserve better than that I think we should demand better than that and I think that they have an opportunity talent wise to do better than they are and I'd like to see that happen
2: I actually concur with you greatly on that, I think that uh, with um, with your desire hamish to to get uh, parity in terms of coverage and all that sort of thing that comes in it and, and in the end money uh, conditions etc uh, i think that that does uh, all of a sudden uh, you're obliged to actually cop relatively regular criticism if things don't go wrong and in the past we've we've sort of shied away from that haven't we
10: well, there was, a, I forget the game, for instance, sort of off the top of my head, but there was some dopey running, and you said that in commentaries, and that's actually not good enough. And, and that was sort of out of character, because no one ever really says things like that or states an honest opinion for fear of being called a misogynist or negative or whatever you like. It's its always too supportive, too collegial.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and uh, I think the time has come, and, and all our women's sports, which are gaining parity in terms of their coverage, uh, that becomes a factor, and we'll see if it does. Um, uh, of interest to me, uh, that turnaround performance. Uh, by the way, Brad, of the Phoenix, they got two hidings. They went four, one over the weekend, and they're not far away from being um, from playing at home. The first uh, team of, of our franchises over in Australia to get some home treatment. All of a sudden, they must be so looking forward to that, and I, I kind of think they'll get well supported.
11: Oh, I think they will twist me. Look, they've been so jekyll this season, right? Like, they had that sort of two-month run where they were unbeaten and they looked great. Then those two big losses in a row, I know they have, what, nine, ten players that were unavailable for those two games, and Louis Fenton got injured as well. But, look, I think Griffith LA's done a great job every year since he's been coached that being predicted to be a wooden spoon, and he's got them in or around the playoffs in, in all of his seasons, and I think they're definitely a playoff team this year. I think they're a team that no one's going to want to play in the finals if they have their full strength today. Oli Salas has been great in goal. He leaked some goals recently, but was hardly his fault with what was going on in front of him, but I, I, I like what they've done and a deserve good crowds I think they've played really good football this year for the most part and some good young players on that side, a couple of really good experienced players. I think wooden at the back as um, hard as from the same Man United you know, players has been quality, he has been quality. And yeah, I, I've enjoyed watching them play this year. Um, the results have been weird, with it, you know, but I think this are out there because they had nine, nine players unavailable for those two
2: games. Hamish, you've been to uh, a zillion press conferences, you've done a, pr- a, a zillion interviews yourself. Uh, we saw one at the weekend uh, with Adi Xavier. Um, and uh, in the throes of uh, that narrow loss to the Crusaders um, and, and uh, incidentally he got a headline um, Artie's comments gets a headline which makes uh, I guess makes it so unusual for a guy to speak as frankly as he did what, what did you make of this this whole saga well first I commend you for casing
10: those comments out of him did you it before you started that he was going to say something interesting
2: I could see the look on his face as he was walking towards me. That's all I went on, mate.
10: Yeah, I mean, so that's, to me, I think in the incident itself, the line-out, I mean, if there's something that I would talk about in the aftermath, so that would be perhaps the decision not to kick the goal. Um, mm. In terms of the, the, the line-out and Scott Barrett's part in proceedings, I, I thought it was a bit of a nothing. Um, I wouldn't be getting that hot and bothered about it if, if Artie hadn't said anything. You know, I, mean, I think that was the thing that drew attention to it or has made it something, I think, with defensive line it from the Crusaders, and well done, they closed the game out. I, I do think on a broader level, I, I like Artie Savera as a leader. I like him potentially as a captain. I can remember years ago uh, talking to Waitomo about him when she was still a turns coach, and her eldest had gone through school with Artie and played rugby with him all the way through, and she said, Hamish... Hey, He's a really impressive footballer, but he's, he's better as a person. He's a real leader in his community. And I, we get a bit white-bred in rugby. We default to Anglo-Saxon guys as captain. I, I'd like to see Artie perhaps as a permanent All-Blacks captain. And I think he may rue whether he kicked the line or kicked the goal, but I think in terms of what he said afterwards, I thought that was, that was leadership to a degree, and I, I think it would have resonated well with his players. And i, I, I like to see him down the track as, say as an All-Blacks captain.
2: Yeah, and it's uh, refreshing actually, quite refreshing. That uh, I think that's one of the reasons it got a, got a headline out of it. Uh, Brad, uh, you've done a lot of uh, that kind of work as well. Uh, what did you make of um, the aftermath of, of that? Uh, and by the way, would you have kicked for gold, Brad?
11: Uh, look, I think where the Hurricanes are at, right, they kind of needed the victory, but I mean, I guess you'd have to ask a Hurricanes fan that, right? So, uh, look, I-, I can see Artie's an, Artie wants, he's a winner, like, through and through, right? So, for him drawing, I think, was it Anton Oliver once he was all that crap on I'm not here to draw test, I'm here to win test." and uh, I think Artie probably felt the same way um, in that game, and I don't I particularly have a big problem with it, Um, that they're trying to um, advance their position and, uh, and beat the best team in the comp, uh, and I agree with Hamish, like, it's debatable whether or not penalties there. I mean, one side of the coin you can say yes, the other side you say no, but I, I agree. Refreshing comments. Um, he handles that to be really well. Yeah, I, I, I like how he started. I like what he brings to rugby. He brings honesty and he brings... Brings like a, a sense of realness, right? Like everything that comes out of his mouth, you feel like he means it. And that's, it's not the same stuff after everybody gets full credit to the opposition or disappointed with the way our um, set piece went. Like, he'll actually tell you his true thoughts on the game. And I, I, I like it. And, um, yeah, all that captain, man, I can, I can see that as well. I think he's definitely in the leadership group, right? So, um, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that as well. I just like what, what he's made of. I think he's, he's a, he's a leader through and through 100%.
2: Uh, Hamish, just uh, f- finally the battle um, at 10 again is going to rear its ugly head very shortly for the All Blacks. Bowden Barrett looked particularly uh, good on Saturday. Uh, but um, one of my colleagues uh, has, has continued to ask throughout the season, where is Richie Moonga? Uh, when is the Richie Moonga standout performance coming? And he was a little bit, uh, I think a little bit shy of that as well at the weekend.
10: Yeah, I think for everyone's sake, they just need to go with Barrett and, and put any debate to bed. I think they did him a terrible disservice in 2019 by shunting him to fullback. Uh, it was his time having served an apprenticeship under Carter to lead a team to into a World Cup to take ownership for a campaign and he didn't get that opportunity. Um, I think he's done well in some respects to stick it out. I, I think a, a lot of guys of this character than Bowden would have bailed. They would have said, oh, you've stuffed me around, I'm off. Um, but he, he has stuck around Mwanga is underwhelming at the moment and he hasn't convinced despite his previous years of great super form he hasn't convinced on the test stage and i would i'd give it to barrett i'd say look let's take any debate out of it it's your team you lead it you take responsibility for the results and i think that would give everyone some certainty and i think it would allow barrett to play with a, a level of confidence that perhaps he hasn't had i think that the debate has undermined both players um i know you want to have contestability i know you want to keep incumbents on us, but I actually think they've undermined the confidence of those guys. I think a team has to have absolute clarity and certainty that it's his team and he's running the show and I think the way that's been managed has been pretty poor and undermined both guys as to say.
2: Well, Hamish Bidful, Hamish Bidful has been fantastic this morning, some very forthright thoughts, uh, as has uh, Brad Lewis on the panel. So I thank you guys for your participation uh, and look forward to chatting you uh, to, to you again. Uh, on the panel, we'll have another one the same time uh, tomorrow morning, a lot of fun that one it's 10.42 here on SENZ
3: Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month, visit your
4: local Polaris dealer today summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
2: and it is 10.47 here on SENZ uh, in the mornings and uh, that of course is in conjunction with Polaris uh, if I can give you uh, an update for Scotty Scheffler, who uh, now is just walking up the 18th fairway, and he has a five-shot buffer over Rory McIlroy, who looks like who's going to finish uh, second. So they're just replaying a shot uh, yesterday or a hole yesterday when he played the 18th yesterday. He lost his, his uh, ball in the trees and uh, was able to get it out and make five. He took a drop and made five, and that perhaps was one of the turning points in the tournament. How he made a five when people were looking at maybe a six or even possibly a seven. He made five, and that perhaps gave him confidence today. Uh, I think it's fair to say Cameron Smith gave him for a run for his money first thing. Uh, Cameron Smith birding uh, was one and two, and the lead was down to one. Down to one, and then uh, Smith made a couple of errors. Scheffler has been very, very uh, consistent today. Is uh, no doubt about that. He hasn't wavered at all. It was after someone. It was up to someone to come after him big time. Smith had the best chance. But Cameron Smith, as they stride up the 18th, is now seven shots behind. Shane Lowry, at the moment, will finish at least third. Um, Motokaro will finish uh, at least fifth. And it's up to where Smith finishes on this last hole. But Sheffler, Scotty Scheffler, will be the next um, Masters champion. He'll get a green jacket very shortly out of the Butler cabin. Uh, and he will be the fifth number one world-ranked golfer to win. That's behind Ian Woosnam in '91, Fred Couples '92, Tiger Woods '2001, '2002, and DJ Dustin Johnson was also ranked number one in 2020 when he actually won the tournament. Uh, I got a text in here, and the lads have helped me out with this. too. Mike from Christchurch, morning team. I was just wondering from Saturday's Good Oil Show, uh, well, how successful has that been with the punters club? Uh, they won uh, around uh, 131. Well, Mike, uh, they actually uh, won 166 bucks. Steve Davis said, I was wondering, does it go into my TAB account, which they asked at the start of the show. Uh, Just have not received anything yet. Yes, it will. The TAB, uh, Brian's given me the thumbs up there. The TAB are aware of that. And just be uh, patient, Mike. You'll certainly get that in the early part of this week. And uh, you'll be able to reinvest or take your 166 bucks somewhere. But, uh, yep, you're a winner and you will get paid. The TAB are aware of, of your details. I have been... Uh, led to believe there, and uh, I don't. I never ever mistrust Brian Rariri, it just doesn't pay to. Uh, look, we've got uh, NRL coming up after 11 o'clock, now we've not got Vossi, we've not got Vossi this week, Vossi's on leave, but we have Lavina Good, and boy does she love her rugby league, and boy does she know her warriors, so uh, we're going to have a good chat with Lavina after 11 o'clock on rugby league. Uh, EPL fans will be interested in a couple of the results uh, this morning, two very key results actually, Manchester City and Liverpool drawing two all, uh, that of course means that they're both still one point apart, Man City 74, Liverpool 73, so the race for the title is astonishingly interesting, astonishingly interesting, when it thought uh, everyone thought for all money as if Manchester City were just going to run away with it. Uh, Spurs had a good win over the weekend, uh, so they've uh, just got a three-point buffer on Arsenal in fourth position. Uh, and that means that Arsenal are still there, though they have a game in hand on Spurs, so that's interesting. Big result over the weekend for Everton, beating Manchester United 1-0. Uh, that was substantial and, and very interesting as well, uh, which means they have now a four-point buffer on third last place, uh, and that is uh, occupied at the moment by Burnley who surprisingly, I would think, lost to Norwich 2-0. And that was a result that really does hurt Burnley. Of course, Chris Wood's uh, um, old club, Chris Wood scoring for Newcastle, uh, and they've uh, got themselves out of trouble, I think it's fair to say. So looking like Burnley, Watford and Norwich for the Downers, and Manchester City and Liverpool fighting out uh, for that final spot. So we'll take a break here. When we come back, Louis Herman Watt and the TAB before 11
3: has
4: shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
1: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
2: Louis Herman Watt with us again, and uh, there was a heck of a trial, a catchweight trial at Rotorua uh, on Saturday before the real racing began. Louis and uh, Levante's trial was very, very classy, uh, man. A man. What's coming up for Levante?
11: Yeah, Smithy's
6: bang on. Uh, look, we've got Levante, we've got um, Coventina Bay, we've got on not on Travier, I don't think. Um, Imperators. They're all running in the thoroughbred breeders at Yadaha this weekend, Smithy. As Cam Smith just puts out, pretty valiant effort today, but not good enough. Scotty Sheffler wins the Masters, mate. That's a pretty incredible yeah. effort by Scotty Sheffler this morning.
2: Yeah, look, he's going to win by five, and he has uh, missed. Uh, he's going to win by four, actually. just missed a two-footer to win it. <laughs> I imagine he can do that with uh, that many <laughs> shots in the bank, but probably the worst putt he's hit all day was the one to win. Uh, so very romantic Cam. Um, Louis, uh, I, I got your take on uh, the results over the weekend, the interview with Nash Rail Willow, which was pretty cool. But, man, we'd, we'd love to see better tracks for the classics, don't we?
6: Yeah, well, just anything other than that. I mean, that was so wet, Smithy. It was so wet. Like, that was just gnarly. Did you see they had the helicopter out there trying to dry it? But when it gets that wet, there's yeah. not too much you could do. Hey, hey, we're off to Brisbane soon enough, though, and the uh, hopefully the carnival up there, the rain stays away because lots of Kiwi horses are going up, including... On trivia sort of stay at
2: Coventina Bay so that'll be a hoop. Oh he's just missed another one Scott Sheffler you've got to watch this on the highlights he is now going to four putt the last <laughs> green and he's still got an 18, eight, he's still got a, a buffer the crowd are actually, this has got incredible television the crowd is standing, he hasn't even putted out yet this is amazing television uh, uh, Louis you, you can go and watch Paul Mawadie be watching the, 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 the TAB desk here what odds on uh, Scotty Sheffler five putting the last ball can we get on quickly I, I can't... Uh, is oh. Paul there? Paul Mighty there? Oh. G'day, Paul. Yeah, I'm just watching G'day. the bizarre scenes here. Bizarre scenes up in Augusta, at Augusta.
5: Yeah, how good. I, I can tell you what, the uh, punter who put $28,000 on Scotty Scheffler at $2 on uh, Saturday uh, afternoon uh, can start walking to the window now. He's uh, he's done the business and done it in quite, uh, uh, quite an easy fashion in the end. Um, he was quite well-backed. Um, but he wasn't the, the best back golfer in the Masters. Tiger Woods takes that. Um, but Cam Smith was very, very well backed uh, by punters as well. So Scotty Scheffler, Schiff, not the worst result for us, even though there was a twenty-eight thousand dollars bet at two dollars, fifteen thousand dollars bet at wow. dollar fifty-two, eight thousand dollars bet at two dollars, uh, five thousand at a dollar forty. They uh, there were some large bets on Scotty Scheffler, but I can tell you. The amount of money we took on Tiger and Cam Smith has balanced out the book very nicely for us. So those who did back Scotty Scheffler, uh, well done. You're uh, you're getting your just rewards.
2: You do indeed, and he will as well. A big fat check. He's getting a cuddle from his wife at the moment, which is traditional as well. Uh, yeah, but he fore parted the last green, which was quite staggering. Paul, thanks very much for your input. Plenty of uh, things to bet on today, folks. Uh, there's uh, basketball playoffs going on as well. Uh, as well as uh, racing from around the globe. So amazing results. Scotty Scheffler is your Masters Champion 2022 Uh, and quite bizarre scenes, but uh, now uh, just enjoying all the hugs from mums and dads and cousins and all sorts. Great scenes at Augusta. It's 11 o'clock. The all-new SCNZ.
3: Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local
4: Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past. Smithy, this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It
2: is 11.03. We charge into the last hour with Rugby League and the Warriors have notched up three consecutive victories as they took down... The Cowboys in dramatic fashion on Friday night. I watched it. Man, it was heartwarming stuff in the end, but heartbreaking stuff uh, trying to go through the whole deal. Golden point. Yep, Sean Johnson finally got one over, and it was a wobbly old thing, but it was worth the victory. Uh, He stood up when it mattered. The drop goal was uh, outstanding. Seventh position after five games, the Warriors. It's been a stunning turnaround for a team that looked hopeless in their first two games, and we all thought, what the heck? Elsewhere, the Panthers got another win to remain unbeaten. The Roosters came up trumps uh, in the NRL uh, grand final as well, and um, the women's grand final, and Lavina Good. Uh, we normally have Vossi here at this time, but we've gone even better this week because we've got Lavina Good, uh, who absolutely loves her league. She's got a real passion for it, and uh, I say good morning to you, Levina, The Warriors, three from three, and how are you feeling?
0: Good morning, Smitty. Great to have you back. Just really quickly, before we jump on to the league, I just wanted to say that World Cup cricket coverage was outstanding and I loved it. And we've talked about it for a couple of weeks, but I just wanted to say personally on behalf of me and the other sports journals covering it and listening to it, it was so awesome, the coverage that was provided. So well done, buddy. I know you were instrumental in some of that (laughs) coverage. So that was good. Wanted to take my hat off to you there. Um, Yeah, the Warriors. uh, Interesting one for me. I actually really enjoyed watching the game against the Cowboys. Like, I I, I watched it and the next day I texted a few buddies. I'm like, bloody good game. Like, it was a good game to watch. And none of us were feeling that way when the Warriors had the loss against the Titans and and kind of snuck in with a couple of points against the Tigers. But I, I feel as though the Warriors had a little bit more structure in their attack. And whether or not Nathan Brown came out and said, let's not just be the entertainers all the time, let's try and hey, here's here's something different. Let's try and complete our set. Let's see what happens with that. And let's wait for the other team to make the mistakes. And I think maybe the Warriors tried a different game plan against the Cowboys and it paid off. I know Sean Johnson got that final kick. He certainly wasn't the best player on the paddock and he'd be the first to admit that. I mean, not just with the intercept pass that he gave away, but I don't think he was the orchestrator that he often plays, but... Chanel Harris-Tavita was outstanding because he played with confidence and they've got the right combo now with six and seven. They didn't have that smitty in the first couple of games. Mm. You know, we, They were introducing Cody too early and Cody doesn't like playing outside Sean or inside Sean. And, you know, um, Harris-Tavita was waiting for his opportunity saying, well, when the when the Golden Boy and Precious was overseas for a few years, you loved me and now he's back and you don't love me. So all that kind of dissension was showing in the way that the Warriors were playing. But now I feel as though that combination six and seven is working for them. And also our pack has shown that we can match it with just about any pack in the competition. We showed that when we played against the Broncos, who aren't the best team in the competition, but certainly have a massive pack. They're really big, really strong, really mobile. And the Warriors pack showed that off as well. So, I mean, the victory was great because it was entertaining rugby league and they had to work for it, mate. They came back from half-time half, half time being down. And, it's, and the Warriors of old just don't do that. The Warriors of old don't come back from halftime to win a game. And they're, and they're doing it at the moment. So if you're a Warriors fan and you, you enjoy your footy, there's reason to get excited about when it comes to the rest of the season. I know it's early days, but three wins in a row at this stage of the competition is very, very good indeed.
2: OK, uh, seventh position at the moment. So uh, overall, just not uh, that one result is, is warming your heart, which is uh, great to hear. Uh, and this, yes, this uh, Harris-DeVita uh, seems to really have come good. That uh, 40-20 uh, was almost a momentum swinger, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, the kicking game was outstanding from the Warriors throughout the whole match, and they utilized the breeze as well. So that was clever kicking. I liked, I guess, what, what I like about um, Chanel-Harris-DeVita with his kicking is that he kicks with intent. So he doesn't just kick because it's, oh, shit's the last. I need to kick it. I'll do a bomb. I'll do a grubber and pray. It's none of that. He knew exactly what he was doing. He went for the forty twenty attack attacked it and gave possession to the Warriors which uh, allowed the try. Remember the Warriors were up against a side that was meant to be and touted as being the best defensive team in the competition. And I think Josh Curran and Cody Nikarima kind of said, really? Like I've gone in on my own on a try. All I've done is chucked a dummy and ran across the line and they're really not the best defensive team in the competition. They've just got the best defensive statistics and it's very different in the game of rugby league when you weigh up those two things. But yeah, Harris-Tavita's confidence is, is showing through. He really likes playing, obviously, with Sean Johnson, and Sean Johnson mm. isn't precious enough to dominate proceedings every single time, and they're, they're letting harris Devita do what he needs to do, which is set up a try if he has to, Or and defensively, like, he's, he's not a big kid, eh? Like, he's only small, but he won't miss a tackle, unlike, you know, a few of the other Warriors players that have been signed on, uh, like Reese Walsh, missed you know, five of 15 tackles and he's opening two games and that was a real area of concern. Harris Tevita can make a tackle for as much as he can get around someone. So that's really credible when it comes to the position that he's standing in. And it's a good half, it's a good half-five-eight combination for the Warriors. And they haven't had a decent 6-7 working together like they are at the moment in that last game for a bloody long time, mate, at least a decade. So it's reason not to get excited, but it's a reason to continue to show the faith. And let's be honest, you, the Warriors fans continue to show the faith, no matter what. They will show the faith because they adore their Warriors' side. And for us, you know, that like the Warriors and really want them to win, et cetera, those opening two games, were like, ah, oh, this is the season. They're going to be crap. This is the season. Well, Nathan Brown has made some changes. He's realized what he did in the first couple of weeks wasn't working, and it's working for them now. But plenty of teams to face, mate. I mean, you know, like Tigers, Broncos, Titans, Cowboys. Mm. I know the Cowboys were in the top, top eight fact that you've got to look at the other teams in the comp like the Melbourne Storm the Parramatta Eels the Bunnies the Roosters these are the teams that you really have to be on top of your game and make sure that you don't make those mistakes to give the opposition the ball because as soon as those teams get the ball and you're playing very average they'll punish you
2: well the Roosters uh, are their next uh, opponent followed by the Storm in a fortnight's time so pretty tough and a good gauging week as you say just to see uh, where things are at the Roosters uh, Look, it uh, didn't look that conclusive against the Broncos. Only twenty four twenty in the weekend.
0: Yeah, the Roosters have not shone through the season at this stage. They've been very roller coaster, and not just in terms of their results, but I think in terms of their performance out on the pitch, which is crazy, really, because they got the like the biggest budget. I don't know how they can stick within that salary cap, but I'm sure they do. Um, they've got the biggest budget; they get the biggest name players, but it's not gelling for them at the moment when it comes to the Roosters, but. You know, this is the thing about the NRL, it's such a long season, 26 weeks of competition that you can afford to drop a few nice and early, even two or three in a row, as long as you're remaining within that top eight position. Out of 16 teams, you only have to finish in the top eight to get into the finals at the end of the year. And that's what's always got me about the Warriors, you know, I've always been like, well, regardless of what people say about the Warriors having to travel and resources and the only New Zealand team... You've still got names and numbers and players good enough to be in that top eight. You have to be in the top eight. If you want to win a premiership, you've got to finish in the top four. That goes without saying. But if you want to reward the fans and keep things exciting, you've got to finish in the top eight. And at the moment, the Roosters are playing like a top eight side. They're performing like they're in the top eight, but they're certainly not dominating proceedings at all. And whether or not that comes down to club culture or the fact that you can't control the situation all the time, time will tell, but I think the Roosters have still got a few lessons to be learned in in the footy pitch if they want to finish in that top four at the end of the year
2: Another game of uh, particular interest to you of course uh, was Saturday night clash between the Eels, your Eels and the Titans now I've got to say, I turned this off at half time and went to something else because I thought it was a done deal, I was absolutely gobsmacked when I saw the result the next morning and uh, the Eels, were you worried at any point?
0: Yeah, of course I was. Yeah, I was worried. The week before, they were the entertainers. They were honestly on fire, and Mitch Moses does the kick from behind and the chase through, and we're all talking about Zip Zip Man and Brett Kenny. and we're all talking about uh, Ray Price and Peter Sterling, and, you know, there was a bit of a a wake-up call for the Eels, I guess, At the weekend. I don't want to take it away from the Titans, though. I was just having a chat with Brian, your producer, off-air, and we were saying that the Titans have had this um, recruitment policy program set in place for the last half a decade. And it was five years ago the Titans said, we're not going to try and get into the top eight or top four this year, but we're going to recruit sides and keep the young players and make sure everyone stays so that we can have a long-term plan, which is to win a premiership within the next decade. So there's still three or four years away from that. But the Titans aren't that side. Like when they beat the Warriors, you know, lots of Warriors fans are like, oh, we got beat by the Titans. They'll be there or thereabouts because of the recruitment policy that they've put into place. So they're showing a lot of faith in each other, uh, the Titans. And the Yields. I think, started believing a little bit of their publicity from the week before. Nothing went wrong for them at all the week before. They were literally the entertainers, and it was remarkable to watch. And even if you don't follow the Yields or don't like rugby league, you still would have enjoyed that game, but it certainly wasn't done and dusted for them uh, at the weekend. So a nice lesson there for them to realise that they're not going to snare up a grand final um, early in the season. Still plenty of work to be done. A little bit of grounding for them. They became very humari and very humbled in their process. But a lesson for the uh, for the ills to learn that they they're not going to win a game at halftime because you just don't you don't earn the NRL.
2: Well, Manly 30, the Knights 6, Storm 30, the Raiders 16. What What'd you make of Storm's performance?
0: I thought the Storm were good. I thought the Raiders were great. That's the best I've seen the Raiders play this year, and I know they went down to the Storm, but I thought the Raiders finally put in a defensive effort that they could eventually be proud of. They haven't tackled all year, and um, I said at the beginning of the year the Newcastle Knights were going to finish at the bottom of the table, and then I watched the Raiders for the first couple of games and thought, no one's tackling No one wants to make a tackle. No no defensive structure at all, actually. Not, Not moving up the line quickly. No communication on defense. No one even making the tackle. So finally, the Raiders decided to tackle. And even though the Storm, you know, ran away with the victory, I thought the Raiders played a good game. I've been very impressed with the Melbourne Storm throughout the year. And two years ago, I said, that's it, they're gone. They've lost all the superstars, you know, Slater and Smith and Cooper Cronk. They're not there anymore surely they can't keep producing these players. And then they bring out a kid like, you know, Pappenhausen, who's about the size of me, to be fair. He's not big, he's not, he's not massive, he's not tall, but he is so agile and so fast and so determined. And he is so elusive in the game of rugby league. I just don't know how they keep creating these players. Um, but the thing is, the, the Storm have been doing for a very long time what the Titans want to do now, what the Warriors should be doing but aren't doing. And that is creating a team culture and a club culture where you pick these kids and you nurture them and you make sure they don't get scouted by anyone else. They don't go off to anyone else because you say to them, when your time comes and your opportunity comes, you'll have it and you'll be a star. And Pappenhausen, it wasn't the case for him a couple of years ago. There was nowhere for him to play in the Melbourne Storm, but they still managed to retain him and groom him and build him. And now he's the best player in the competition at the moment. So... The Melbourne Storms continue on their merry way. I just don't know how they keep creating these players and keeping them within the realms of Melbourne. It's just incredible that they've got something happening and it works for them and their recruitment policy is very, very successful. And also the the scouting of kids. I mean, the the philosophy of so many of these clubs, uh, Smitty, is to send your scouts out and to go over to New Zealand or to go from Sydney to the Gold Coast or, or go up to North Queensland. Melbourne don't do that melbourne go we'll hang out here and not only will we look and try and find the kids that are good but we'll turn them into great players we'll make sure that they're bred into being great players and it's a very very different mindset to what the rest of the clubs have when it comes to recruiting and it's working for the melbourne storm so once again even without their superstars and that spine that was the best spine in the world they're still dominating the competition in 2022
2: well, Lavina. yesterday uh, we saw both the top and bottom sides on show. Uh, we saw the Sharks knock over the Tigers, 30-4. to The Panthers went over the Bulldogs, 32-12. to The Tigers, goodness me. And they have a solid fan base. They must be in disarray at the moment. No points from five games.
0: Terrible, terrible. They're terrible. The defense against the Sharks was, I mean, like their edge defense, their defense out wide was actually sickening. And, uh, you know, I watched the game and I thought to myself, ah, oh, you know, I'm not the coach, but if I was the coach, I would punish these players in, in some way because no one was willing to make a tackle out wide. And it made it so easy for the Sharkies. Sharkies are looking good th- this year. I mean, Hines is another player, a number seven that came from Melbourne. They couldn't hang on to him. But they're looking really good with him taking control with that number seven jersey. But the Sharkies are doing much better than I expected them to. But... That performance from the Tigers uh, yesterday defensively was absolutely dismal. And it just went from ugly to worse to ugly to worse. And in the end, I I could hardly watch. I I actually felt sorry for them. And it's just not working out for for Madge as the coach. I I don't know whether or not he'll be the first coach to be sacked in the competition. I mean, let's be honest, it's the NRL. Everyone gets sacked at some stage in the competition. So one coach will go down before the end of the year. But I just feel as though Madge doesn't have the rapport with the players that he needs because they're not tackling for themselves and they're certainly not tackling for each other and they're not tackling—they're definitely not tackling for their coach. So it was an ugly, ugly scene from the Tigers. And the only thing I can think now, they can't make a lot of difference in terms of player recruitment and um, player delivery out on the pitch. What they'll probably have to change, I would say, would be the coaching staff. And they've got Tim Sheen standing by. They brought him in at the beginning of the year just to sort of say, hey, maybe you can be a mentor and guide. And what will happen is I think Madge will go within the next four weeks and Sheens will come in and and it might inject something into the club to try and get those players to tackle. But it was a pathetic performance defensively from the Tigers and they should really be ashamed of what they did out on the pitch and they made the Sharkies look so good. In terms of the Pampers, I just think they're incredible in the competition. They've managed to keep all their players from um, the under-16s and under-18s out west. All those players in Bathurst and Orange that play for St. Patrick's and the Leaguies and all those players that are representing at a junior level Western New South Wales, instead of letting them go off to the big bright lights and neon lights of Sydney, they've said to those players, come come play for us. We're going to have another premiership team, come play for us. And they've kept all the kids, and even without Nathan Cleary in the opening uh, couple of rounds of the competition, um, the Panthers still look like a very slick and complete side and they know exactly what they're doing out on the pitch. And that's what I liked about the Warriors at the weekend city is that attacking wise, Sean Johnson and Harris Tavita knew exactly what they were doing and why they were doing it. That's how the Panthers play every week in terms of their attacking structure. They know what they're going to do and why they're doing it. You'll never see someone from the Panthers be a cleary or not do a kick, do a grubber kick or a bomb kick. And the other players going, oh, I better chase it because I had no idea he was going to kick. It it doesn't happen like that for the Panthers. They're, They're on fire and they've got great club culture at the moment. They've got all the young guns coming through. And they've also got a lot of challenges when it comes to positions in that club as well. You're not guaranteed that position. And because that competition is there, it forces each player to be on top of the game. But the difference between the Panthers and the Tigers for me was that the Panthers play for each other. And the Tigers
2: aren't playing for anyone, not themselves, their coach or their teammates. Mm. LaVena, did you I'm not sure you had uh, too much opportunity to watch anything else over the weekend. Uh, did, you, <clears throat> did you watch any of the golf or did you watch, uh, did you watch the Crusaders in the final minutes against the, the Hurricanes?
0: I did. I was cheering the Hurricanes. I like the Hurricanes. I'm a bit of a Hurricanes fan. Mm. I watched some of the golf. I'm not a Tiger Woods fan. I'm allowed to come out and say that. I don't know. Everyone heralds that guy. It's like, hey, Tiger Woods, can you believe he had a car crash and nearly lost a leg and he's come back to be top 10 in the world? I'm like, the best thing that happened to Tiger Woods was his wife going after him with his favorite nine-nine um, because I don't hold him in high regard <laughs> And because I don't hold him in high regard as a person, I'm sorry, I don't really give a crap about how good he is as a golfer. When you look at Jack Nicklaus, who won 18 majors compared to Tiger's 15, Jack Nicklaus is a decent dude and a good golfer. And I know Tiger Woods is a good golfer, but he's not a decent dude for me. So he doesn't appeal to me that much at all. But I did watch a bit of the golf. I was hoping that the hurricanes could come through with the goods and I also managed to watch a grand final of the women's NRLW yesterday actually Smitty and and for me like yesterday afternoon I I was working in Auckland on Saturday calling some um, women's rugby league um, in Auckland for New Zealand and I came home and on Sunday morning I was you know doing a few bits and pieces around the house and I thought wow there's a grand final on today and I'd followed the NRLW because it's a you know just a six week competition six teams in the competition and it's a travesty that the Warriors are competing in that competition. That just means that so many of our young Kiwi girls that would have played for the Warriors are now going to go over and play for Australia and the Australian teams. There were six or seven of them in the grand final yesterday. And because they were representing those Australian teams, now I'm thinking the bloody Jillaroos will take them you know, and the Kiwi ferns will lose them forever and Mm. that's what happens when the Warriors go, we can't afford to put a women's team in the competition. But regardless of that, I was really looking forward to the Women's Rugby League Grand Final, the NRLW Grand Final, an All-Sydney affair between um, the Bronx, uh, between St. George and also the Roosters. And it was an outstanding game of rugby league. It was the best game of rugby league I watched yesterday and I watched, you know, four matches of it. And I just re- realised to me that 10 years ago for rugby league for women in Australia just was nowhere at the level of, of what it is now. And it's entered a level of professionalism where these women, just like our, our Rugby Sevens team, are um, extremely athletic and competitive they're nurtured through their diet and their conditioning they've got gym memberships they've got sponsorships and they're probably a decade ahead of women's rugby league in New Zealand because of that support network and the rugby league from the grand final yesterday with that women's competition was one of the greater games I've seen in a very long time and we should take our hat off to those those women that were competing not just the Kiwis but all of them because you know it was beautiful rugby league and you start to realise watching games like that city that you don't even know if you're watching a men's game or a women's game. That was just outstanding footy. And I found it really entertaining. I was proud of them all.
2: Well, Lavina, good. Uh, I'm uh, very thankful you answered your phone this morning. You've been fantastic on your coverage of the league. It's been great. And I also thank you very much for your compliments at the start of the interview. So, uh, hey, look, uh, the Women's World Cup was a, was a bundle of fun from my point of view. I loved every second of it and um, more, t- more power to women's cricket I say women's sports. so hey thanks this thanks. morning been great chatting been great no thank worries you.
0: buddy no worries next time
2: thank you yeah, yeah, cheers till next time indeed uh, Levina Good there with him uh, really extensive coverage of the NRL and the uh, women's NRL in the weekend fantastic stuff 11.23 here on SENZ
4: of vehicles arriving every month visit your local Polaris dealer today summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with
2: Ian Smith on SCNZ. It's 11.28, Uh, Jared's texting and said, "Love the golf this morning, Uh, had uh, Cameron Smith and Rory in my bets, close but no cigar, yeah, they were both pretty close, All right. Uh, Hey Smithy, how good was Rory's shot at the last hole? I mean, uh, I've probably spoiled a few people's thunder by giving you updates on it, but uh, to be fair, we are a sports station and we're sort of obliged to update you on live sport, but yes, uh, I did see that, I saw that live, and I, and I saw the fact that him and Morikawa were both in the bunker to the right of the 18th green, and they both knocked them in. Uh, an incredible way to finish birdie-birdie uh, there for both of those players, they embraced on the side. It was just compulsive viewing it, it, it as it always is, it's compulsive viewing. Uh, Mike got your text, no problem at all, that money will be coming through to you. Uh, another text coming in, and we've had a few actually about uh, our frequency in the Wellington area. Uh, not uh, Yes, we are still broadcasting on seven one one. We apologise for the outages that you've had. Some have had the outages for um, most of the weekend. So uh, our techs, as they say, what do we call them, bops in the trade? Bops um, are working on it um, furiously to make sure it doesn't happen again for you, Wellington, or any of you other listeners throughout the nation. Um, we apologise profusely for that because uh, we're into providing you with the best sports information that you can get. And we sincerely um, mean that. So uh, we're also into giving you opportunities, I suppose, to win money here on the show. And you've got one right now. Uh, You can stump Smithy for 50 bucks worth of uh, TAB vouchers. And you can also win some sleep drops this morning. Just light up the phones. Uh, We are on 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. We've been throwing the compere's job around, to be fair. Um, This morning we've passed the baton pass the baton to the very experienced Brian Rariri uh, from Hawke's Bay, now based in Auckland he will be uh, the man who will be the quiz master this morning so yep, the lines are getting hot already it is 11.30 here on SENZ and it's time for the break and the news with Ottawa The all new SENZ is Kiwi for Sport
8: Making SCNZ news this hour. Ex-tropical cyclone Feely is forecast to race past the North Island, bringing damaging winds and flooding to parts of the country. Emergency services remain at the scene of a serious crash on State Highway 1 north of Wellsford. One person has died, another person has moderate injuries. And Gucci and Louis Vuitton in Auckland have been ram-raided. and investigation's underway. They'll be reviewing all available CCTV footage. Listen online anytime at SENZradio.nz.com. The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. A massive weekend of motorsport for New Zealand with Kiwi Mitch Evans picking up a second win in Formula E in Rome. Shane Van Gisbergen taking two wins from the weekend's four races in the Melbourne leg of the Aussie supercars. And Tiger Woods irons that he used to win four consecutive majors sold at auction for more than £7.5 More Inside 30 or as the news and sport happens on SENZ.
1: Everything that's happening in sport, SENZradio.nz.
5: Everything that's happening in sport. S-E-N-Z radio.co.nz.
8: For Northland areas of cloud with a few light showers mainly in eastern parts mostly fine for the rest of the North Island but some cloudy periods this afternoon to the South Island where it's mostly fine with cloudy periods a couple of showers for Buller Fjordland and Clutha Southland and the Rainbird rain gauge sees showers clearing through the Chathams Join us tonight for all the best of sport talk out of the UK White and Jordan on Talk Sport UK from 11 on SENZ
5: Ian Smith's
9: had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith
1: really is top class at his job. And yes, he is very top class at his job. Now, it is uh, as he was saying before the break, Brian here. I'm going to be running Stumped by Smithy today. The uh, the competition where we have up for grabs a $50 TAB bonus bet and some Sleep Drops uh, with uh, Sleep Drops New Zealand there. Uh just pulling up these stumped questions here. Now we have our three callers lined up for today. Uh, our first caller, Joey, who have we got? Scott. Our first caller is Scott. Can you hear me, mate? Come in, Scott.
11: Morning, Brian.
1: How you going? I'm good. Thank you, mate. Yourself?
11: Yeah, good.
4: Thank
1: you. Beautiful, beautiful. You have a good weekend? Watch plenty of sport? Uh, yeah, it,
4: it was nice and sunny,
1: which is always good. Nice. Any highlights? What, what was your highlight?
5: Um, I'm, I'm a massive uh, Everton supporter, so beating Manchester United over the weekend was
7: a, a huge result. So very happy with that.
1: Hey, what do you reckon, Smithy? Pretty good. Oh, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where
2: is he? For Ricardo Ball and Manchester United really does make my day. So that was cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, interesting. Right, let's get into this, uh, Scotty boy. What do you got? Like, what are your categories today, Brian?
1: So our categories we have today are cricket, golf. And baseball. What would you like to choose, Scott? Oh, I'd
7: um, oh, probably to have a crack at cricket. It's the only one I'll
1: probably <laughs> know anything out of out of those
7: three. Oh. <laughs> why not? It's a bad one taking Smithy on, but
1: we'll Hey, we'll why see. not, eh? Hey? Why not? Why not? Good luck, and uh, let's get into it. Okay, so one down a bit. Radio Cricket. Australia's Alyssa Healy finished the Women's Cricket World Cup with the most runs along with the highest individual score. What was that score? Uh, she's got
7: look at oh, 164.
6: One of the worst things
0: I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
1: Over to you, Smithy
2: well, it's been fun, Scotty. It's been <laughs> having a, fun having a chat with you this morning. But I'm sorry, buddy. Um, you can have to call in again tomorrow to win because I commentate on that game. And I get this wrong, Brian. I'm leaving for the day. <laughs> I think she scored 170, which is the highest score by any person in a World Cup final, male or female. Like 170. Just right, a
4: couple of chips down the wicket. well,
1: Scott. Thanks for playing, mate. But uh, we'll see you later. All no right,
4: thanks, guys.
1: Okay, now moving along. Uh, we are going to now read from Gore. Read, come in. Can you hear us? Yeah, great team. How are we? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not Good, 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 good. All right. There's two more questions to go. Uh, I'm not liking your chances with it being cricket. Uh, nah. So uh, we'll go with the next question. Sticking with the batters, who was the top run scorer for the White Foons throughout the you tournament? Might
10: for the World Cup? Yes, yes. Uh, oh, I'm going to go with... Thank uh, you Devon.
4: Vaughan. a couple of chips down oh, oh, right oh, oh, the get Right in
1: the slot, under where it goes. Well done, mate. That was I'm sure, are you all over that, Smithy, right?
2: Like a rash, mate. Yeah. I was all over that one too. Don't you worry about that. Okay, now worrying worried this, about Reed.
1: Yeah, yeah. This one's, this one's for all the biscuits, mate. Uh, Reid... Who took the most wickets in a single innings during the Women's World Cup? Uh, Oh, Jesus. I'll say,
6: um, Alisa Healy. One of the worst things
2: I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
1: I feel a jackpot coming. Uh, Smithy over (laughs) here.
2: I feel a very decent jackpot. She's up to 100 bucks tomorrow morning, unless I've got it wrong by saying. Sophie Eccleston from England with 6-36. That's a couple of chips down in wicket. Right in the slot, and the it goes. The Yeah, very well, right that on. was my subject. And yeah, thanks uh, very much, Reid, for partaking. And uh, Elliot, uh, make sure that you call tomorrow morning and get in to win 100 bucks now, Brian. So you don't, no one has to stay on the line. No one has to get their details taken. Uh, mm. So a triumphant morning for the team. And we're going to look to build it up because, of course, we've got a long weekend coming and it would be nice to give someone around 200 bucks by the end of the week. But if you can beat me, good luck. You'll have a chance at 11.30 tomorrow morning. In the meantime, Brian, thank you very much for your uh, debut effort. We'll give you a a pass for that one and we'll probably have to use you again in the future, uh, hopefully in the near future. It is 11.37 and uh, we shall be back very shortly here on SENZ.
3: Polaris has shiploads
4: of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: It is 11.43 here on SENZ. Now tune in uh, to SENZ every Sunday from 11 o'clock till 12 and you'll get GRNZ's dog speed. That Greyhound Racing New Zealand's dog speed. It's hosted by our very own Ricardo Ball, who I know is learning on a daily basis uh, about greyhounds. Uh, he's joined by experts Mark Rosinowski and Andy McCook. So don't miss uh, a Greyhound Racing New Zealand's dog speed every Sunday from 11 a.m. till 12 o'clock. Uh, of course, our show is uh, uh, the, our show is in conjunction with Polaris, and I just got a text through from our, our Araha actually, and just uh, showing that. Danny Ricardo has got a Polaris. Danny Ricardo has a Polaris. What a beautiful Polaris it looks like as well. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, Aroha, I don't know if you can uh, hear me. Have you got a Polaris uh, at this stage, Arawa?
8: I want one. I have a property yeah. that is almost vertical and it has no driveway. And I quite fancy taking my groceries up the hill in a Polaris I think that would be a fun thing to do on the Coromandel Peninsula and also probably, I, I'm i not a very good rider slash driver of them, I always feel like I'm going to I need an, some instruction so they look like they'd be a fun thing to race around on the property in but I don't necessarily think I'd be that good at it
2: Well you don't know Brendan McCallum very well at this stage, <laughs> are, but what what <laughs> usually happens is, is when Brendan McCallum clicks his fingers and mentions something, he gets one so I think he's the bloke you got to talk to, even though But closest yeah, uh, friend so is this. Yeah,
8: you've represented the country at the very highest level. I drink coffee and, and stalk Daniel Ricciardo and his and his ride-ons. <laughs> so I I don't know that there's much of a market for that. You can there's probably a private investigator somewhere trying to track me down, but I don't know if that's very marketable. <laughs>
2: Okay, we'll leave it at that. I'll just, I'll leave it at that, All right, We'll just, uh, we'll walk away from a private investigator thing at this point. Uh, what, I, what I will say uh, is that we had a text from Dave saying, Morning, Smithy, best weekend punting for ages. Had Schiffler, Scotty Schiffler, and, and uh, Cam Smith, and used my 50 bucks from Stump Smithy on the, uh, on the Panthers at minus 19.5. So well done to you, Dave. Uh, Jamie from Nelson, have got your message loud and clear. Uh, You were a winner last Wednesday, but uh, still waiting for that money to front up in its full capacity. So the boys are working on that as we speak. Um, I can see Brian looking at the details of that text, Jamie, so we'll we'll work on that one as well. Um, Baseball fans, uh, I can tell you that after one innings, the latest uh, between uh, the latest installments of the Red Sox Yankees, this is at Yankee Stadium, and Boston scored two runs in the first innings, and it's 2-0 after the completion of that as well. It wasn't just um, uh, the big motor racing in Australia over the weekend that, that uh, got the headlines either, because New Zealander Mitch Evans sent a, a championship warning to his Formula E rivals with a second victory for Jaguar in two days of electric racing in Rome. Evans uh, won on Saturday from ninth place on the starting grid, was even more impressive today as he celebrated his third career win on the streets of the Italian capital's E U R. Uh, district. So, the race was uh, a carbon copy from yesterday. The car was working perfectly, he said afterwards, uh, moving to fourth overall in the standings. We are back as a team. I am back towards the top, so it's a uh, good time. So, there. Uh, and in cricket news, uh, spinners uh, Keshef Maharaj and Simon Hamper. Hamper, who've been really good in the series against Bangladesh. You associate uh, South Africa with being very good in the quick department and their quicker bowlers threatening Bangladesh. Well, no, it's been Maharaj and Hamper they took three quick wickets in South Africa, reduced Bangladesh to 27 for three in their forlorn pursuit of 413 uh, to win the final test at St. George's Park. So that uh, is not going to happen. Uh, it's been impressive, actually. Harmo was out of the scene for a while. He's been, I think, five five years away from the international scene They made inroads into the top order on a wicket, taking prodigious turn, and with the weather set fair uh, for the next two days. And another example of a country that uh, who uh, relied on over the years quick bowling uh, and are now realizing that spin bowling can be a relatively big part of their future and from that point of point of view it might be a, a lesson that we need to learn somewhat as well because uh, we've been saying it time after time um, that we've got to develop spin bowlers in this country uh are still very well preparing those uh, green wickets preparing those green wickets but we lost on two of those this year to Bangladesh and to South Africa And we're doing nothing to enhance our game overseas. So uh, we'll wait and see if uh, anything comes out of that. But certainly, spin is becoming a huge factor uh, in the way that uh, South Africa are playing their cricket at the moment. Uh, We're going to take a a short break here. uh, And when we come back, we'll have some more information for you. And of course, our chat with Staffy just before midday.